<laughs> Stinger! We have a date with Destiny. Super Brawl 3. The game becomes reality. Vader invites you to my White Castle of Fear. The challenge is presented to you to play a game. I know you like challenges. I know you like living on the edge. I know you like getting some color. Oh, oh. <laughs> Guys, welcome to episode motherfucking 17 of Getting Some Color. I'm Joe Dubs. And I'm Zach. Or Vader. Or Vader. <laughs> I loved Vader's fucking thing, by the way. Like the fucking Spock thing. Uh, live long, yeah, live long and prosper. Um, so yeah, we're 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 back here. Uh, we are going to be talking about Clash of Champions twenty two and WCW Saturday Night January sixteenth nineteen ninety three episode. I guess w- let's get into some news. Um, unless you have anything, first of all, how are you, Zach? Oh, I'm good. I'm I'm having fun watching wrestling that I like mm-hmm. again. <laughs> so, um, I know there's been some other stuff happening in like modern wrestling lately. Like there's oh some fans are coming back. That's something you're going to get into here in a sec. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, otherwise, I've been doing pretty good. Playing games, watching movies, watching good wrestling. <laughs> yep, and uh, I I will admit uh, there's some surprising happening in AEW. I guess we'll get into it. So AEW is the first like a uh, big company to have actual fans um be in the arena compared to uh WWE's Thunderdome and uh what does that even mean Thunderdome so Thunderdome is a virtual fan thing that WWE copied from with the NBA because the NBA started it and then I guess Vince probably is like, oh, I want that in my arena. And uh, so <laughs> what happens is they set up this program called Thunderdome and you sign up for it. And there's some guidelines and stipulations like you have to have certain lighting. You can't have any AEW merchandise in the, the web camera. Um, <laughs> there's also you're not supposed to have other things like Chris Benoit in the <laughs> As or a, KKK ceremonies. Or KKK ceremonies. Or, you know, Fire Velveteen Dream and all that stuff. No immoral behavior or immoral imagery yeah. is allowed. But uh, I guess WWE doesn't know that there's a lot of people on the internet that like to troll. <laughs> and I I don't think this, you know, got past them. They thought everybody's going to be nice. And there wasn't nice people. Uh, I, I think it's funny that Chris Benoit made it onto WWE programming in 2020. <laughs> he came uh, back from the dead. Yeah. But anyway, I digress on that. Uh, it, my thing with AEW is it's nice to hear crowd noise because it brings back a level of normalcy and it doesn't feel forced like <laughs> what they were doing. Uh even though AEW, when they had the wrestlers in the crowd, yeah, they, they were having fun and it was kind of cringy, but it wasn't as bad as WWE's uh, made-up fans that they had going on there. 
It would, no, they they would obviously make them like boo here, cheer for them, you mm-hmm. know, and it's. Uh... But they're, they're they're trying to control the um, the Thunderdome. Apparently, they're telling people when to boo and cheer on there as well. So, yeah. and we all know because like people were freaking out that they're piping in fan noise. I'm like, they've been doing that for the past five years. Because, yeah, because of Roman Reigns, so. Because everybody hated Roman Reigns, and they wanted to make him look strong, I guess. So, I mean, that's all I'm going to say about it. I don't know what else we could talk about. I just hope that WWE maybe does the same thing where they do the social distance and have people wear a mask and maybe bring in, like, maybe... Because I, I actually saw the AEW thing, and they're, like, in different sections of the arena. Yeah, and apparently they have, like, pods you can purchase mm-hmm. i guess if you feel like extra like oh my god i want to go but i oh my god put me in a pod <laughs> i guess you could do that if you want yeah um real quick you mentioned something i wanted to touch on in there which was the oh fire velveteen dream shit <clears throat> and uh velveteen dream just came back to tv recently mm-hmm and then yeah this huge hashtag campaign happened where people were pissed because he came back. And supposedly he was in like some kind of car accident or something, and that's what has also kept him off TV. And, but before that, there were these accusations going around that he allegedly messaged a minor or something. Have we not? And again, I'm not like saying everything's fake, but have we not learned about the who is that other fucking wrestler? Uh, Enzo, Enzo uh, Amore, uh, like, remember when he was supposedly, you know, raping or being with a minor and all that stuff, and then found out that, like, the chick was crazy and she wanted attention, and it really never happened? I guess. I mean, it pretty much just fell out of uh, the collective consciousness after a few months. But bottom line is that he's lost his job because of a uh, the social social justice mob, and obviously because WWE is corporate. Keep in mind, I will give him a little credit that he's not a nice guy, and maybe they just found a way to be like, "Hi, you you touched this girl, you're out. Bye, see you later. We hate you, and you're not never coming back again." And I mean, maybe that's what. But but again, he lost a job because somebody lied yeah and uh it's come up already in like press or not press but like uh conference calls and stuff mm-hmm. and triple H is like look we addressed this we investigated we didn't find anything like whether you choose to believe him or not it's a whole other thing but whatever like i don't know man well, Accu- accusations aren't proof so why do people care I, again I get it. It could have happened. And yeah. I, and I understand. I'm not saying it didn't happen. I'm just saying there's no ev- there's no real evidence that anything actually happened at all. Yeah. Other than maybe a, a text message happened. Maybe it was maybe they thought he thought this person was not underage. Mm-hmm. I, you know, maybe it was an accident. I don't know. Yeah, and the thing is is like why do people care like they need to have full disclosure on his investigation. Like are you is people saying they don't believe that WWE is doing a full investigation? 
I guess not because they're still harassing Triple H and you know WWE. There's been there's been times where they said, "Oh, we're going to do this," and then they they don't do it at all. You know, they do have a history of that sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, allegedly, Dreams got heat in the locker room too. Now, <laughs> um, ju- just from because he was able to come back off of that and he's getting a push, it's rubbed some people wrong way backstage. And keep in mind, like he's a good wrestler and a good entertainer, um, but he. He never won that tough enough uh, challenge, uh, even though like other uh, competitors, uh, usually the loser ends up being the bigger, uh, you know, accusation. You know, uh, uh, you, the winners always wash out. It's the losers that stay on and um, actually kind of become something. It's weird how that's always worked out. Yeah. <laughs> um, even uh, oh, here's another um, uh, tough enough loser. Sonya Deville. <laughs> uh, there was a kidnapping attempt on her recently at her house These by fu- a crazed fan. These fucking segues are amazing. I love it. Uh, it's working. Yeah, this is working pretty good. Uh, the only thing I have to say about that is guy, uh, people are weird. Uh, why are you trying to kidnap Sonya Deville? Is, is it because of the Otis storyline? Are like they getting too deep into WWE, or is he just he, he like a crazy rapist or something? And I no, guess... this guy was a fan of hers. Oh no, he was a stalker. But you know, I can never understand this behavior. This this came up on the the Cornette podcast. They were talking. He's like, you know, I never understood that. I'm a fan of you. Let me let me kidnap you and murder <laughs> you. I'm like, what the? No, you should be. You're a fan of him, aren't you? Why are you doing this? Like. What about the, uh, did you see the picture of, like, all those, like, simps and stuff, like, hugging the, uh, female wrestlers at, like, the conventions and shit? Like, they look awkward when they're <laughs> taking taking pictures. Uh, yeah, I've seen a few of those. The, the, the only thing I, 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 I think that shit is, like, gr- not gross, but, like, weird. Uh, what really grinds my gears is, like, people posting it and then going... Like they they get grossed out. I get I I don't know. It's just like, what do you expect? These guys are weirdos. They probably never got fucked in their life and all that stuff. So like them hugging awkwardly, you know, Alexa Bliss or something like that. They're gonna think that you know she's his girlfriend for like a minute. <laughs> <laughs> it's just it's just sad yeah it's sad but it's just like i hate when social media like they need to know the details of each person be like you know they're pedos or you know, rapist and all that stuff it's just like stop it just stop it yeah no kidding and th- this guy was like it was all premeditated and shit he had like fucking zip ties and like tape and hmm. a knife to cut through her fucking back screen porch and all this shit uh, luckily, Mandy Rose was over at her house, even though they were feuding. <laughs> I'm just saying, yeah, nobody cares about that shit anymore, unfortunately. But breaking kayfabe, um, breaking kayfabe, man. But um, the dude is in jail. He he did not get bail posted. He's uh probably I don't know how bad he's gonna get punished for this because nothing happened. Mm-hmm. Probably just get a restraining order and get jailed for a little bit. Yeah, he's he's definitely gonna get a probably breaking and entering and uh, 
something that will probably keep him along, uh, not a, in jail for a long time, but enough to be like, I'm never going to try to kidnap Sonya Deville again. <laughs> I, I don't know. It's sometimes you just can't, some people can't be stopped. That's like the weird, they call him the, the WWE stalker. Have you heard of that guy? No. This is this guy who's been stalking at the performance center for like years now. <laughs> and he just, he shows up. And he, like, trespasses and tries to get in, and he just, like, fucking is irate, and he yells at people <laughs> and shit, and uh, he's been arrested multiple times over it, and he keeps coming back. And, like, one time a couple years ago, he actually got shot by the police because he was being fucking crazy. <laughs> and he still didn't quit. He still came back. He came back a few months ago. Lacey Evans was yelling at him. There was there was footage of her yelling at him. <laughs> Um, but yeah, crazy people be crazy. Yeah. I, I I don't know what, like, what's the end goal? Like, did you just want to keep her forever or was it just like, you're going to be mine now? Uh, if I let you go, can you be my girlfriend? Even though she's a lesbian, like (laughs) he was going to convert her. He was going to do conversion therapy to her. (laughs) I guess dark. Uh, speaking of dark, how dark is it when you win your your first world title and you injure your shoulder in the same match? I know somebody else who does something about that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Finn Balor cough. <laughs> yeah, and it, what's funny? Not funny because that push, by the way, like that was probably the only thing that I was actually interested in in a long time with NXT. Uh, was the what's his name? Kill Cross or whatever. He's now carrying Cross. Carrying with a K, two Ks. <laughs> Thank God it's not three. <laughs> oh shit! Uh, oh, we got Andy in the chat. He says to me to drink water because I have one of those uh, channel points, but I have beer, so I got water. And I got root beer. <laughs> but uh, anyway. It, it, it's sad. Like he gets he gets a, a world title from NXT and then he has to give it up, uh, which kind of proves our point a little bit that these wrestlers need to slow it down and stop being all uh, flippy and stuff and trying to, you know, literally kill themselves <laughs> for entertainment. You know, how, you know how he did it? No. Uh, apparently, Keith Lee clotheslined him, and he did one of those cells where, like, the guy does the flip and he lands. You know. Yeah. From being clotheslined, he did that and landed on his fucking shoulder. Idiot. And look, like, I'm not saying that's that's not a cool spot to do, but the thing is, is I can remember almost nobody ever did that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when it did happen, it was like, holy fuck, because you just saw somebody literally like that. Jared say, he turned him inside out with that one because he did a flip <laughs> after being clotheslined. <laughs> only a couple people ever did it, and it was probably because only a couple people ever could do it really good reliably all the time and not land on their damn shoulder mm. <laughs> like aj it happened to aj earlier this year too it was at the rumble edge clothesline to me did a flip he landed on his damn shoulder and separated it yeah he need they <laughs> stop it just save those for big ending matches it doesn't need to happen all the time save it for rikishi that's one of his really good spots yeah <laughs> when he gets clotheslined by somebody who he wants to flip for he'll do the flip 
Yeah, there's nothing really to talk about. It's just sad, and uh, apparently Champa's back. Yeah, Champa. Is his name Champa? Or I don't know. Yeah, yeah, Tommaso Champa. Yeah, Champa. He's back. He turned heel and he whipped some dude's ass. I don't know who that guy is. But he whipped his ass, and I was glad he was healing in. <laughs> yeah. So they're having like a, not a tournament, but apparently it's like a four way, uh, match to get the belt. Yeah, it's like uh, Gargano, Balor, Champa, and Adam Cole. Which honestly, that sounds really fun. Yeah. <laughs> I, it sounds I, like it could be really good. I want Balor to win, but I'm afraid if he wins, he's going to get injured too, and then he's going to have to give up the belt. <laughs> oh, I'm afraid he's injury prone. Yeah. We'll see. Speaking of other people winning NXT titles, Damian Priest won the North American Championship in that ladder match. I didn't see it, but uh, I'm happy for him. I mean... Yeah, I like him. I'm glad he won. So, Keith Lee lost the North American Championship and the Heavyweight Championship? He vacated that, the North American title. Oh, okay. And uh, they they had this big old long-ass tournament of triple threats <laughs> to determine who could get into the ladder match, the six-man ladder match for it or whatever the fuck. <laughs> and I'm like, God, you guys are really milking this triple threat shit. Like, I thought that was kind of excessive. Yeah. I, I would have preferred singles matches. Um, but, like, uh, there is a few guys in there. Like, uh, like I like Cameron Grimes, but I don't think he was far enough along yet, in my opinion, to get that belt. Yeah. Um, and I can't really remember. Bronson Reed, I kind of like him. Again, I don't think he's far enough along yet. Um, there's just a lot of that. Damian Priest, I thought, yeah, that guy could probably take it. I think he's ready. Mm-hmm. You know, and he's he's doing good. Um. Uh, let's see. I don't have a good snappy segue for that one, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> Wade Barrett showed up in NXT. Speaking of NXT, he's, he's doing color commentary there now. He left NWA, and somebody else left NWA. Maybe, possibly. Uh, I I don't know yet because if you're talking about Thunder Rosa, uh, yeah, Thunder Rosa still holding on to the NWA Women's Championship and apparently going to AEW for the with the Women's Championship uh, to face, I keep on forgetting her name, Shushida, I think it's na- her name is. Hikaru Shida? Yeah. Is she still the champion? Yeah, and by, okay. the, by the way, better champion than that other twig that was a champion the first time. Yeah. You don't like schoolgirls? No, I, I, I like her personality. No, I do like schoolgirls. <laughs> That's what you were going to say. No, no, I like her personality. Uh, but the her as a champion, it just didn't work because she was like... Her, a, her as the first champion was like, no, you can't. Mm-hmm. Don't get me wrong, their women's roster is kind of slim pickings from the start. It's growing, it, apparently. It's It seems to be growing slowly, but like they could have signed a lot better talent to start than what I thought, you know? Yeah. And I don't know, whatever. But um, it seems like NWA is losing talent uh, rapidly. <laughs> um, well, yeah, look at Eddie Kingston. Uh, yeah. By the way, I don't know if this is a stable or not, but Eddie Kingston kind of answered the question tonight uh, because the Butcher and the Blade and the... Uh, 
the other Spanish guys, I forget their name, Lucha Bros, uh, and uh, Eddie Kingston, they formed a group, and he's like, you guys are talking about stables, I'm just with my friends, these guys, <laughs> it's always the friends theme, he's like, I knew these guys before NWA and AEW, so we're just gonna wreck havoc, so I'm like, you guys are a stable, just say you're a stable, like, come on. I thought Eddie, oh, wait, never mind, was... No, I was thinking about Ricky Starks. Ricky Starks is with Taz and uh, Brian Cage. Brian Cage, yeah. What's up, AK? AK in the chat. What's going on? What's up, brother? She's a sister. What's up, sis- brother? So we'll call you brother. <laughs> <laughs> brother, brother, brother. Um, um, yeah, I, I forgot to mention this last week, but or last week, last show. But NWA has entered a partnership with a couple other smaller wrestling promotions, and it looks like they're doing joint pay-per-view shows now. Um, and one of them's coming up kind of soon. I don't have the date for it right now. Okay. Because I just suddenly remembered it. What's the promotions? Uh, let's see. <laughs> I'm trying to find it. I mean, that's cool uh, to, to kind of not segue, but like watching WCW um, when they teamed up with New Japan and, uh, you know, you start to see like the Rock and Roll Express and shit and everything. That's what AEW kind of reminds me today is like early, early WCW. And it kind of shows a little bit. I mean, without the professional wrestling, because it's it's a different, uh, you know, age and all that stuff. But uh it, it it's really great to see some indie like big indie stars and seeing other promotions come into uh you know big time TV. I yeah. I I don't know why New Japan doesn't jump on the AEW uh programming. They would know more they would know more about their wrestlers worldwide instead of you know having weird pay-per-view times and shit because you're in Japan. Well, there's uh, there's a couple reasons for that. One of them is they've had like some kind of real contentious relationship with AEW from the start. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know what that stems from exactly. I think it's from them losing Omega more than anything. Uh, they're they're really pissed about that. I don't know why personally. I don't fucking get them, but whatever. <laughs> That's just me. Uh, Japan's weird and. Kenny. No, I, under, I understand it because they gave him a, such a huge push for a, a Gaijin, especially. I get it. Mm-hmm. But, um, like, uh, yeah, they've from the start, they've had this really kind of chilly relationship with AEW. And uh, another reason for that is there's been some plans in the works where New Japan's kind of trying to form an American branch on their own. So, okay. yeah, that, that's been in the plans since, like, last year. Bring the territories back, goddammit. <laughs> okay, here it is. Uh, the debut of our new weekly pay-per-view series in partnership with NWA United Wrestling Network, Primetime Live, is coming to Fire TV In Demand LLC on September 15th. It's a Tuesday. Okay. It features... Uh, champions and stars of NWA, CWF Hollywood, CWF Arizona, and other promotions around the world. So it's like small regional 
promotions, I guess. Territories. Bring them back. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Who knows? Hopefully. Jimmy Crockett. <sighs> um, speaking of territories and people coming and going, uh, <laughs> Renee Young's leaving WWE. Yeah, and MJF uh, did a promo with, uh, we call it, uh, Moxley. And yeah. and he's just like, what about your wife? I think she'd like me or something like that. You know, always they always got to do the, uh, you know, I have a bigger cock than you. Your 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 wife or girlfriend's gonna you know want me more than you. And like, yeah, and you're Mo- a bitch. <laughs> and Moxley Moxley got up and like did nothing. Like he's like, I'm gonna kill you, but then didn't do anything. But- because he knew MJF was right. <laughs> that's that's the only thing I could glean from that. By the way, MJF has one of the best things going on for him right now because he's doing like this uh, campaign movement because you know the elections is coming up in November. Yeah, and, and he—I don't know if you watched a segment tonight, but he had like a lawyer put a contract together where uh, Moxley can't use his paradigm chip in the match, but <laughs> but apparently MJF's lawyer was such a you know stupid ass. Because Moxley's lawyer added a seventeenth uh, page, and they both signed it. And then Moxley's like, "Oh, you didn't read read page 17? I get to fight your lawyer before uh, our match at All Out next week. And <laughs> if your lawyer doesn't show up, then you don't get a match with me for the championship." I was like, "That's pretty funny and cool at the same time." That's kind of that's kind of clever. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, everybody made a really big deal about, oh, my God, Renee Young's leaving WWE. But, like, I'm going to say something a little controversial. I'm going to say something a little bit of a hot take. Okay. I don't think it's that big of a deal at all. Yeah. I I never understood, like, the massive amount of, like, adulation and hype that she got. Like, I'm not saying she wasn't good at anything she did because she was. Mm-hmm. I mean... Everybody made a really big deal about, oh, my God, she's so great on commentary. You know, honestly, I didn't think so. No. I thought she was just barely okay. She was annoying, in my <laughs> she opinion. Was kind of, she was kind of annoying. It felt like somebody that, like, <laughs> I don't know how to put this that sounded like an asshole. <laughs> it uh, felt like somebody that didn't know anything about wrestling trying to do wrestling commentary. <laughs> no, I'll say something even worse. Um it's very corporate because you know with everything going on in today's world like you know oh you know this is very misogynist of a of a show there's not enough females uh you know being showcased in commentary in the fucking ring uh there's no strong female so they they did the you know like oh she's a, you know she's likable let's put her on commentary and she just sucked you know Great interviewer. I'll give her that. When she was doing uh, Talking Smack with uh, uh, Daniel Bryan, I, I thought she did well with that. Uh, yeah, I, I liked when she hosted the shows and mm-hmm. stuff. But like, yeah, commentary? No. Like, I can still remember when she just surprised one day was on NXT commentary, and it kept kind of sticking for, like, the next couple weeks from there. Yeah. And I was like, this is... um. It's not good commentary, but I guess it's just different. So, like, whatever. But, hey, on the flip side of that, though, Beth Phoenix is a commentator in NXT, and she's great. Yeah, she, she's better because, again, experience. She, she's a wrestler. She's a wrestler. <laughs> she knows what she's talking about. 
wow, they got somebody who wrestled to do wrestling commentary that knows about wrestling. You can imagine <laughs> what happens, I guess. Whoa. <laughs> and by the way, since we're on the topic of commentary, why don't fucking companies do what AEW is doing? You have to have a heel announcer. Heel, 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 heel. You can't just be down the middle. You can't be like lovey-dovey with each other. There always has to be a good guy going, hey, you know, that bad guy is doing something wrong, while that other, the bad guy commentator is saying, no, like, for example, with the Marty Jannetty thing, he was trying to escape. <laughs> he jumped out of the window. Instead. He was hitting them with a brick. Yeah. Like, we need that. It's interesting. Like, the stuff that was happening tonight, Jericho was on commentary. Fucking JR said something like, oh, that clothesline is like a uh, five-star restaurant. And Jericho was like, what? What the fuck did you just say? <laughs> was- I did like I, that brief bit I watched where Jericho used his old line, that Jezebel! <laughs> that made me laugh. I fucking love that. Yeah, so, like, we need that for entertainment. And... I know we're going to get into WCW later. Oh, yeah, we are. Commentary back then called fucking moves. Call fucking moves and talk about the moves. When Larry Zabisco talks about, hey, you know, when he hits that uh, clothesline, it, in, you know, it takes him out. It's going to knock him out a little bit. And then you, you look at the match and fucking too cold, uh, whatever his dancing black Scorpio. guy. There you go. <laughs> Uh, he, he's knocked out because of a clothesline. One, two, three. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. Commentary is just in a totally different place from where it used to be. Like, I, NWA's commentary was pretty good. Mm-hmm. They were kind of doing that stuff. They had kind of a heel commentary. Like, Jim Cornette wasn't really a heel commentator. I thought he was just collar. Uh, and then you had Wade Barrett was kind of being heelish when he was there. Yeah. Uh, but he was, again, a collar guy primarily. But they would explain the moves and stuff, too, which fucking nobody does anymore. So it's that all, was that was great just on its own just to hear that. It's all about, like, oh, you got to... Did you see what happened on Twitter when The Rock ate, like, 50,000 pancakes? I'm like, no, I don't give a shit what happens on social media. Just fucking you call the match. Pat McAfee played in the Indianapolis Colts, and then Pat McAfee thinks he's a wrestler now? <laughs> I'm just, no, I'm just kidding. Mm. Um, two more things, and we're done with news. Okay. Quick correction from our last show: we made a big ha ha about the AEW heels thing. Yeah. And it was fifty dollars a month. It's still dumb. We're not changing our opinion that that whole idea is dumb. Mm-hmm. But I was wrong about the price point from the source I got it from. It's actually fifty dollars a year. The $50 was always a thing. It was just the wrong amount of time it being paid. Um, so there, that's fixed. $50 a year, not a month. Sorry. Anybody that got mad, I doubt nobody got mad because it seemed like nobody fucking liked it anyway. And nobody, nobody's going to pay money to see... You want to pay money to hang out with Brandy? No. The chief Brandy officer? I mean, she's hot and all, but like, I don't want to hang out with her. I want to be Stephanie McMahon so bad it hurts. <laughs> no. She's never going to be Stephanie McMahon. Stephanie McMahon is always going to be. She's even hot now, Stephanie. She still is. Yeah. So She's in, she's in that MILF phase now. 
Um, and here's the big one. This is a big one. Or just like a couple hours ago, I was like just browsing the interwebs, and I saw John Moxley has won the number one wrestler spot in the PW Pro Wrestling Illustrated's 500 rank for the year. Okay, so I got a question: Who's two and three? I don't know. <laughs> I they didn't tell me in the story. I don't know. Um, but here was the thing that was just like okay. I was like. When I saw it and I didn't even read the rest of it, I was like, what? Are you serious? <laughs> John Moxley? <laughs> now, like, I understand the way that they do this. It's kind of based in kayfabe a little bit, which is really weird because of how wrestling is now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I always thought Pro Wrestling Illustrated always kind of had like a smark-ish bent to it. And I don't mean that like how that term is considered now. I, like more like how it was back then where there were smart fans like but they weren't assholes it's yeah. just there were there were fans that were smart and they kind of knew more about what was going on and they shared information with each other mm-hmm. but then again i've never actually read pro, pro wrestling illustrated so i don't i could be wrong i just got that's the vibe i got off of it um but this is what they do this is the criteria they grade this off of uh win loss record so that's kayfabe uh-huh. uh Technical ability, influence on the sport. They do call it sport. Um, Success against highest grade of competition. Uh, Success against the most diverse competition and activity. So I looked at that, and then I thought about what they did, and I'm like, you know, half of that I could kind of buy that. Like his win-loss record since... They they start from September of last year and I guess they end in the end of August of mm-hmm. next year. So his win loss record is really good. Um, his uh, success against the most diverse competition that's true because he's been wrestling in Japan. Then he comes back over here and he works indies and he fucking wrestles everybody in AEW or whatever. Mm-hmm. And activity he's been very active ever since he got out of prison. He that he likes to remind everybody about all the time. (laughs) (laughs) So those three things I'll buy. The other three things I do not buy at all. Yeah. Technical ability. No, (laughs) just flat out. No, (laughs) John Moxley, in my opinion, has exposed himself as not being able to work a normal match anymore. Almost. Almost. Well, I, I, I said, you know, that that's crazy because there's so many other, good wrestlers that could be number one um moxley even as aew champion and i'll give him this he's more interesting than in aew than wwe but i still find him boring because his matches especially have just not been very good in my opinion and he he does that whole you know, he does that stupid swaying thing and like he tries to act all cool and just like it doesn't. It doesn't work. I think he has to be heel. He can't be that tweener. He's not a Stone Cold Steve Austin type of uh, character. That's what he's trying to do. It's just not yeah. not working. He needs to go back to what he was channeling before, in my opinion, earlier in his career. Where he was basically kind of like to me. Like this is what kills me about this guy is I used to go. I used to go to bat for him all the time earlier in his career because mm-hmm. I saw his indie work and stuff before. I saw his matches he had in FCW. Like this guy is great, man. He can cut these really great promos that make you feel like this guy's he might be crazy or something. 
Yeah. Um, and nobody's like that anymore. And the way he works, it does shit. It reminds me of like the shit Roddy Piper used to do, where he Roddy Piper would act crazy and he'd break a beer bottle over his head and fucking bust himself open on an interview. And then you know and, go half blackface. Not that. <laughs> uh but before that. And then like, you know, Terry Funk, you know, Terry Funk is crazy. And uh, my my Lance, you know, all that shit. Yeah. And, you know, Cactus Jack, Mick Foley, a little bit of that in there. Mm-hmm. I'm like, he could be that guy. There's nobody that's in that role right now. And that never really came to pass uh, and for a lot of reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, the other two things, the success against the highest graded competition, I don't know if I really agree with that. Like, because in Japan, I think he has wrestled a lot of high-level Japanese talent, like from New Japan or whatever. Yeah. Uh, I can't argue with that. But, like, in the States, no. No. Even Ken- just to be in an AEW, hell no. Unless, where do they rank Kenny Omega in the list? Well, given that it's a magazine and they love Kenny Omega and shit, he's probably, he would be considered one of the highest wrestlers, I assume. But he only wrestled Kenny Omega like one fucking time, right? Yeah, because he faced Joey Janela like a couple of times, and that's... And he's not... fucking awful, and he cancels yeah. out all that. Yeah. <laughs> so, and... It, and then Darby Allen shit, you know, don't don't get me wrong, I like Darby Allen, I think he's got potential, but I would not consider him high-grade competition. No, he's know? at least high mid-card, but he's not, you know, main event status he's a but He's a budding talent. He's not there yet, you know? Uh, and then influence on the sport. That was the biggest one besides the technical thing that bothered me. <laughs> like, what influence has John Moxley had on the sport since September of 2019? Yeah, because, like, what do you mean? What is the definition about that? Does that mean? I don't know. I Yeah, that makes no sense because he's trying to be like Stone Cold where he just doesn't give a shit and he just beats people up and he drinks uh, alcohol. I mean, that's. Does he drink alcohol? I've never seen him drink alcohol. Well, on uh, we call it the uh, cruise line. Apparently, there was a bunch of white claws or something like that. Because of course, Moxley <laughs> drinks white claws. No, no, this is not his fault. Uh, this is oh, more, okay. this is more of Tony Khan because Tony Khan is a stupid Mark hi- hi- a hipster, and uh, he 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 got like sponsored by White Claw for the you know the the back room, and he's like. Oh, okay. Well, He's like, all I had was this shitty white claw, and he like downed it and shit at the uh, Jericho cruise. <laughs> yeah, the influence thing to me, since it wasn't really explained, this is the only thing I can assume that I I think to say somebody has like a big influence on the sport of wrestling is to me means that um, they affect the direction that the product as a whole is going in. And to like, there's been plenty of guys that have done that before. Hulk Hogan, mm-hmm. fucking uh, uh, Ric Flair, uh, John Cena, John Cena, Stone Cold, The Rock, mm-hmm. Brett and Sean. Nobody goes John Moxley. He's he's driving the industry. He's not. No, John John Moxley hasn't affected anything. I I. I I was I, I tried to make a comment on, on the new site I go to, no DQ, but I, they never let my comments go through. I think because I use too much profanity. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I don't care anyway. Like uh, I said, like 
John Moxley like hasn't affected any kind of change at all in the industry. Like if all he's doing, honestly, he's just a WWE guy who's making the rounds. Mm-hmm. That's all he's doing. He's just a, oh that guy was a big guy at WWE. Let's let's figure him into the top of the card somewhere. Mm-hmm. He's not doing anything that's changing professional wrestling or anything. Wasn't Roman Reigns in the the, the top one or something like that or top five whatever? Uh, probably not for this year now because he's had to set some of it out, you know. Yeah, I mean, I'm talking the past. Oh yeah, probably. I, I think Adam Cole won last year, if I remember right. That guy. Can, that makes sense. That guy can drive a sport. I believe. See, I could buy Adam Cole winning because it was like this guy's having amazing matches. He does amazing promos. He does. He has technical ability. He's wrestled everywhere. He fought everybody in NXT. They get all kinds of talent from everywhere that are really good internationally. And he's a. Uh, he looks like fucking Shawn Michaels <laughs> with the long hair. A little bit, yeah. yeah. Um, fucking who? Who is it? Um, Billy Graham says he needs to do steroids. I always thought that was funny. No, you don't. <laughs> you do steroids. <laughs> He's so small. I'm like, eh, maybe he is just a little bit, but whatever. <laughs> Fuck you, superstar Billy Graham. Um, but yeah, I could buy Adam Cole. And I think AJ Styles won it the year before him. Mm-hmm. Buy AJ Styles too. Yeah, most of his good matches were in TNA. <laughs> yeah, but you know, he was in New Japan for a while, and he's just you know go bouncing around here and there doing shit. But mm. hey, you know, whatever. It's it's based in kayfabe and people have a really weird relationship with kayfabe in modern times. So I don't even know how much you should really care about this. Yeah. I don't really care about the PWI. I just think it's like a big jerk off thing for, you know, wrestlers and be like, huh, oh, I made the cover or, or whatever. How awesome are we? We brought this up and we're like, ah, oh, who fucking cares anyway? <laughs> Fuck it. <laughs> what kind of sense does that make? I don't know. If, if, I don't know. I, I feel like it, it just doesn't um, affect the wrestling business, in my opinion. I mean, I know people look forward to it and, like, jizz over it and all that stuff. But I don't give a fuck. <laughs> like, I'm going to watch something that's going to interest me. And that doesn't interest me. And John Moxley does not interest me. I thought it was interesting when John Moxley got the championship, but he... He's he's, he's kind of like a upgraded version of when he was champion in fucking WWE. He's a little more exciting than... I feel like he tries a little bit more, but that's all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's, that's the only thing I really get from him. Okay. Are we ready for some Clash of Champions? Yes, I am, if you are. I am. Uh. So, was this just a regular... W W C W like programming it was on national TV or was this pay per view? This was on TV on TBS, and it was actually like um, I would compare it more to like a Saturday night's main event sort mm. of thing, except it's longer. Okay, it's it's twice the length. It was really like pay per view length, mm-hmm. but it was on TV and it was free. <laughs> and so I, f- I feel like this was like a step above a televised, you know, show. Yeah. But not really quite a pay-per-view either. Eh, that's fine, though, because it was still entertaining to me, you know? Oh, yeah. I, I liked it. 
So I'm going to let you steer the talking in this. So what are we going to start off talking first? Well, the show opens with Bill Watts and Tony Schiavone. Tony Schiavone, as Chris Jericho calls him. <laughs> and to open and hype the show and drop some news. And there's a lot of news that they just start dropping at the very beginning. And it's uh, like uh, Van Hammer is down with an injury and he can't do his arm wrestling thing. Oh, no. We were <laughs> looking so forward to the arm wrestling segment. <laughs> and I know you said, I like Van Hammer. It's like, yeah, he's pretty good. And then he's like down with maybe an injury. Like, who knows if it's real or not at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, Eric Watts has been suspended due to some altercation with Arn Anderson, which we're going to get to later. <laughs> uh, and uh, they go to the back where Larry Zabisco has Eric for some comments, and he gets booed as soon as he starts talking. <laughs> Actually, the crowd starts booing as soon as they see him. And then he totally fucking stumbles through his entire promo. Like he's trips over all his words, like every sentence. Yeah. And then like, I don't even, it was, it was just bland. Cause it's Eric Watts. I kept, and, a, I kept on going today, junior. <laughs> because it was, cause it was just like, come on, man, speak. Come on, man. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then that was it, and I was like, thank God, and then Cactus is going to have a match anyway tonight, and it's going to be against Johnny B. Bad, and that's where we're going right now. Yes. Uh, oh, and Jim Ross and Jesse Ventura on commentary. Yeah, and that's that's the highlight of my uh, my night when I watch this. By the way, uh, in the beginning, when, where Jesse Ventura and Jim Ross are like, you know, you know inter- introducing each other, there's a sign. In the background, this is Jim Ross and Cactus Jack are related. I saw that. And I was like, "Why the fuck? Why would you make that?" Whatever. I just, thought, uh, I just thought that was funny. I thought it was funny too. So the backstory of this match, by the way, is apparently Cactus Jack and Johnny B. A bad uh, were like tag teams, and they did like a little bump, and they just started hating each other. Yeah, there was a some kind of thing where they made makeshift tag teams during the last Starcade, mm-hmm. um, which was a month ago at this point. And, and uh, there was a miscommunication, and Cactus got mad, and Johnny B. Bad punched him and said "fuck it," yeah, and caused them to lose. So they they, they spent time. I, I wrote that down. They spent time to set up this match further. <laughs> that these guys have unresolved issues. I'm like, nobody fucking just does this shit anymore. And it was so simple. It literally just took them like a minute to do that. Yeah. Because every today, every storyline has to be this spectacular fucking writing and stuff. And you don't need to do that at all. No, these guys got put together in a team, even though they never teamed before. And then Cactus Jack is crazy. And Johnny B. Bad is eccentric. And- <laughs> And then Johnny B. Bad got mad, punched him. By the way, Cactus Jack is supposed to be the heel in this, right? Correct? He is. Uh, I think he's been in the middle of this really slow burn baby face turn. Mm-hmm. And that was the other thing is Cactus is over in this crowd tonight. Yeah, because they were like, cheering him on. There was a part where Jesse Ventura goes, they're cheering for Cactus Jack. They sure do look like him or something like that. These people are crazy like he is. <laughs> Some yeah. shit is, is what he said. Yeah. Um, I wrote down Johnny would have been a bigger star in the 80s WWF, I think. Yes. He would have totally fit in like way better. I don't know what happened. I don't know if he didn't get into wrestling back then. 
you know, like in the mid eighties or something, mm-hmm. but I had this gimmick and everything with him. I'm just like, he could have been like a mid card star in WWF. Oh, Vince would have loved it because remember, was it uh, little Richard at one of the WrestleManias? What was he? Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I ima- think he was. Cause imagine like I could see Vince going, hey, this would be funny. Little Richard played the piano and shit and like fucking Johnny B. Bad come out and like fucks him up. <laughs> Oh no 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 no! They're bro- they're buddies. Mm-hmm. See, Little Richard plays Johnny B. Bad out, and then they have like a moment. Yeah, like, I can see it. <laughs> man, oh man, <laughs> the possibilities. Yeah. <laughs> um, Cactus starts to beat Johnny down, and then Johnny outboxes him, and they go for a whip, and Cactus grabs the ropes, and he stops, and he goes bang bang. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he's just like what? <laughs> I just like that. And people went nuts when he did that, by the way, when he did Bang yeah, Bang. Such a simple thing. Um, Johnny uses his speed and his wrestling and his striking ability to get a short advantage, mm-hmm. as he should. And then he goes up to the top rope for a super sunset flip, and he totally crashes and burns. Yep. <laughs> he just he goes up to the top, and he goes, whoa! Like, he jumps really high and does a flip and just... Bam. And he sells it good, by the way. Because yeah, he like arches his back like a fucking Power Ranger or some shit. Like, ah! <laughs> and then Cactus just runs in and elbow drops him and pins him for three. Yep. <laughs> and then <laughs> and then we get the iconic bang bang. And, uh, and everybody's like, yes! <laughs> I enjoy- it was a short match. I think it was like two minutes and 50 seconds. Yeah, it was two two minutes, 50 seconds, almost three minutes. But it was effective. It it, it showed the storyline between them, and it also showed that uh, Johnny B. Bad has athletic ability, and I love Mick Foley in this because he's so over. This was great seeing this happen before, you know, he became the hardcore legend and started killing people. And you know, going going off of a hell in a cell cage, pretty much. Yeah. What would you give this match? I gave this a six point five out of ten. I gave it a five point five, but not nothing bad happened. It was just it was short and it did its job. Mm-hmm. And it was fine, and not, nothing bad happened in it. It was just this really quick come and go kind of match. It wasn't really a squash because it was competitive until Johnny B. Bad fucking bit the dust. And I like that. See, like, I like when this is something I hate about modern wrestling is like, there really aren't any high risk moves anymore unless it's just like they're setting up this. They're obviously setting up this spot to do this crazy cooperation move. Yeah. That could very easily get both of them hurt instead of just like a top rope move used to be called a high risk move. And like, a guy misses it and he bites dust. It's, he's fucked up. They always presented that, that there's a chance of that happening. <laughs> and right here, you saw proof of it. He missed a fucking sunset flip and just lost. Yep. That's just great. I like that. Yeah, that's why it needs to happen more in, in, in wrestling period. But we're in a different time now. Everybody wants to see flashy moves and uh, false finishes where you know they do their finishers a thousand times. And, and hey, it's not like oh, you know, well he jumped out. No, like he he was pretty competitive, and he just missed a big move and made a mistake and lost. Mm-hmm. You know, 
So you could very easily, if you wanted to, oh, let's book them together again in two weeks. You could. But even, like, showing a devastating move, like a simp- like a clothesline from hell. Like, if, if, if uh, JBL did that, and you know it literally kills somebody. Not not literally, um, but like, <laughs> but like it takes him out. Like he hits that, they're done. Yeah. When J- that was during the time where it, they started playing with the fact that like these finisher moves, like having these false finishes and like you know spectacular matches and all that stuff started becoming a thing. When you hit that, it should be over, done. It shouldn't be moving. And in, in WCW Saturday night, these happened. There's a there was a match that there was a clothesline and he was out. <laughs> That's it, done. That's he's it's done. Yep. Um, let's see. There's a news update. Ratoni informs us that Great Muda is now the NWA champion, and he defeated Masahiro Chono. <laughs> Uh, this is a great time for Japanese wrestling in the 90s, is what I wrote. Because yeah. there are a lot of the real big superstar Japanese wrestlers. I mean, there's some before them. But I think for a lot of people in the 90s, that was like the really big time for Japanese wrestling, despite what I think people would say nowadays. Because mm-hmm. um, like in the 80s and the 90s especially, uh, like Japanese wrestling was huge. Because you had New Japan Pro Wrestling and All Japan Pro Wrestling. Those were the two big companies. Mm-hmm. And all Japan, especially in the eighties, was like awesome because apparently it was just like um, it was run by Giant Baba, and uh, like I know it's kind of a silly name, but he was literally he was a giant, so they just called him Giant Baba. <laughs> but um, like it was basically the promotion where like he could get everybody else from everywhere, like you know North America or whatever or Europe to come in, and you could have like dream matches. In the eighties, mm-hmm. you could have like uh, you could have Stan Hansen fight the fucking uh, um, uh, Bret Hart or something. Like I'm that probably didn't happen, but uh, that's just an example. Yeah, uh, stuff like that. And you, now that kind of stuff doesn't happen anymore. <laughs> Not really. Uh, but yeah, like this is during that time where like Muda's getting real big and Jushin Liger is starting to become really prominent. Masahiro Chono was a pretty big fixture in Japanese wrestling, but I think a lot of people have forgotten about him now. Yeah, everybody remembers Liger because he just fucking retired. <laughs> yeah, that too. Um, and then after this is this super '90s as fuck awesome vignette with two cold Scorpio. I I watched this, and my favorite part is when the white kid gets dunked on by two uh two cold uh, Scorpio. And he didn't just dunk on him. He dunked on all of them. Yeah. And it was like, you guys got to remember who, whoever's, you know, didn't live through the nineties or wasn't born in the nineties. That's how like commercials were back then. That's how TV shows were back then. It's like, Oh, what are you doing out here? Playing hooky, doing drugs. Well, guess what? You got to be in school. And like, (laughs) I like the part is like, what are you going to play with us? No, you guys got to go to school. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it starts out with like all these kids are just playing b-ball in the playground. And they're like, are, are we going to class? It's like, no, man, we're just going to go to the arcade or some bullshit. And then like some girls, of course, see them and they're thinking about snitching on them because that's what girls do. <laughs> they snitch on you. And then um, and then like they the somebody tries to go for a, a three-pointer and it, he misses the entire basket and backboard. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it flies into a limousine that just pulled up. <laughs> and out comes Too Cold Scorpio. They're like, Too Cold Scorpio! And then he ducks on all of them. Yeah. It was great. And yeah, he just does what you said. He's like, y'all, be in school. He's like, are you going to drive us in the limo? And he's like, nope. Are you going to make us walk? He's like, nope. We're going to step. <laughs> and they dance to school. Yep. That's the it 90s. I loved it. It was just, it was cheesy and 90s as hell, and I loved it. And then from that segue, it's Too Cold Scorpio (laughs) versus Scotty Flamingo. A.K.A. Raven. Raven, yeah. Which How surprised surprised were you to see Scotty Flamingo? Uh, Because I was like, who is this guy? And I'm like, he took off the glass. I'm like, is that Raven? Raven. And that's Raven. And boy, was he in good shape at that time. Yeah, his legs were a little skinny. That's probably the only thing. He doesn't have he doesn't have good legs, or maybe he skipped leg day or some shit. I don't know. Maybe, but he looked better than what he did like at the end of his career, where he was like <laughs> fat and like he only moved at two speed. Fuck, Raven aged horribly. Yeah, like I don't know what happened to him. It's like Raven looks like he's like fucking seventy five now, mm-hmm. <laughs> but he's not. He's like fifty something. Yeah. Ugh. But uh, before this, or before or after, I'm not sure when, uh, at some point he leaves uh, WCW and goes to WWF for a little bit, is Johnny Polo. Oh, my God. Another kind of weird, silly gimmick. Terrible name, Scotty Flamingo and Johnny Polo. Who the fuck is making these names for him? Well, Scotty Flamingo came off as like, I'm a super cool 90s skater douche, is what he looked like. He looked like a... A mixture like of Kurt Cobain and like I don't know Oasis, he like a, a '90s extreme sports guy. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, and then Johnny Polo is like this weird take on some of the backstory they gave Raven and WCW before that shit ever came up. In my opinion, it's like Johnny Polo's from Florida and he's from he's this rich fuck who has money and he's a manager slash shitty wrestler. <laughs> that was that was the gimmick. Uh, one thing I wrote in a note on here, I said, uh, Scotty, I, why am I saying Scotty? Too Cold Scorpio. Um, too Cold Scotty. Yeah, Too Cold Scotty. Too Cold Scor- uh, Scorpio like does like a kick, but misses Scotty Flamingo, and Scotty Flamingo throws himself out of the ring. I was like, that was funny and lame at the same time. <laughs> yeah, Scorpio hits some kind of sloppy offense. I think part of it was just like a style clash thing, and... I think this is still pretty early in Raven's career. Yeah. So it's like both those things put together, but hey, Flamingo is, uh, let's see what that thing happens. And then Scorpio goes to do an ax handle on the outside. And he almost eats the goddamn railing out there. <laughs> yeah. I was like, geez, he got really close to hitting that railing with his face. <laughs> and then Flamingo is able to turn the tables really quick. He drop kicks him and the, the Scorpio goes back outside and then he does because I guess too cold Scorpio did a dive outside. He tried to do a dive and it was like this really half-assed crossbody. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't even like a crossbody. He's like he just jumped over the ropes and was like, whoa, like he was like straight in the air like this. Mm-hmm. Like like whoa. And then like there was no <laughs> turn to his body at all or anything. Um and then like after all this happens, I'm like, I thought he was supposed to be heel. Why is he doing like fucking dives? 
<laughs> I don't know. I think he was trying to match the same uh, speed as uh, Too Cold Scorpio. And it's just like, stop it. Like, you're not going to match up to, you know, Mr. Stepman here. And uh, Obviously, yeah. Obviously, he doesn't have that same athleticism. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, then Scorp hits some nice offense, and he does a splash from the top, but he rotates in midair and goes backwards, and I thought that was cool as shit. Yeah. Because he just did it so effortlessly. I was like, <laughs> well, I was like when I saw it, I was like, oh, shit. Because that was like before RVD started doing shit like that and stuff. And he he kicked out of it, by the way, Scotty Flamingo. And I was like, oh, okay. And well, then it's not his finisher. Yeah, I mean, it's still a top rope kind of thing. Yeah, like you fit. That's a pretty big move. Like that could I could buy that finishing somebody back then. Um, Flamingo gets a couple pen attempts and the clothesline, and then Scorpio regains control. And he backs him in the corner, and he does this sick-ass twisting leg drop from the corner. Mm-hmm. And it was cool. And then he hits 450, and he wins. Yep. That 450, dude. Smooth. Back, you could see, I, I actually look at the crowd, and the crowd goes nuts every time when he does it. I think that was the first time. I think he's he was the innovator of that move. Like, I'm not 100% on that. It could have been, like, some lucha guy in Mexico, for all I know. Mm-hmm. Probably. But... That might be the first time an American audience has seen it was him doing it. Probably. Something to think about there. Because, yeah, every time he's dead, everybody's like, oh, shit. <laughs> he's doing flips. <laughs> <laughs> um, I gave this a 6.0. I gave this a 5.5 5 out of 10. Yeah, I said it was good underneath the match. I want to see more Scorpio. There was at least some, some kind of questionable offense in there, but it wasn't terrible. Yeah. Um, now they show us how Paul Orndorff ends up on Vader's team for the Thunder Cage, <laughs> which they, they have two teams. It's like Sting has a team and it's, uh, Ron Simmons and Dustin. And it was supposed to be somebody didn't make it. And I'm blanking now. I forgot too. Yeah, it was, it was but some, fuck, that's bothering me that I don't remember that now. Because they, um, they kept on saying, like, oh, you know, they're down a man and stuff. And, yeah. It, it, um, and then Vader's team is Vader, Barbarian, um, Barry Windham, and uh, blah, 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 Paul Orndorff. Yeah. And Harley Race is, like, their uh, manager thing. Yeah, just because he's Vader's manager. Yeah. They, they show us, like, how that happens. And it, it was basically during a match that he was having uh, with uh, Cactus Jack. Yeah. Cactus was having a match with somebody Paul, there. Paul and, Orndorff. Yeah. And then Paul Orndorff and then like uh, Vader interferes or something. And it causes this big dust up because Harley race gets involved. And then Cactus rolls outside and grabs a shovel and starts hitting everybody. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, that's all he's burying everybody. Yes. <laughs> No, I, that, I that like sets up Paul. Yeah, I like the the scene where it's Paul Ondorf versus uh, I keep on saying Mick Foley, but like Cactus Jack, and uh, you know Harley Race like throws uh, Cactus Jack in back into the ring, and then like Mick Foley does fuck it. I'm just gonna say it. Mick Foley does the uh, like the clothesline off of the top rope and shit. Yeah, it's cool. I mean, it's okay. We we were calling Scotty Flamingo Raven a couple of times. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> um, next is Brad Armstrong in singles competition. 
That's what it says on the WWE Network. <laughs> uh, I check that every time there's a Chris Benoit match now, and it's that's what it is. Somebody's in singles competition. Oh, God. Um, it's Chris Benoit versus Brad Armstrong. And I don't look up anything about any of these shows before I watch them, so I was like, oh, like when this happened, mm. and this was Chris Benoit's debut at WCW was this show. And boy, was it good. Yeah. Um, which, yeah, well, I, this fucking dead horse. Yeah, he did some shit, but it's like, I don't know. Somehow I can just still kind of watch his matches and it doesn't affect it, you. It doesn't really affect me. Like I can just, I know what he did, but like, I, I, I see what he's doing in there and I can just take it for what it is. Yeah. Um, Who's Brad Armstrong, you, by the way? Was he a different character? In the... That's kind of good because I was getting ready to ask you if you were familiar with him any. Oh, um, no. Yeah, I wasn't really either. I've just kind of heard about him tangentially from listening to Jim Cornette. Um, if I remember right, I think Brad worked territories. He's part of the Armstrong family, you know? He's Road Dog's brother. I thought he yeah. looked familiar with the face. Yeah, and then I think eventually he became a referee, like after he just kind of Scott Scott Armstrong's the referee. Yeah, but yeah, he Scott Brian uh, and Brad, and then their dad's Bullet Barb Armstrong, who was like a fairly prominent territories wrestler, mm-hmm. um, and he's a pretty important figure in Smoky Mountain Wrestling. He's like the commissioner, and he's involved in like a big storyline in there. Okay. Um. I think eventually Brad Armstrong actually goes to Smoky Mountain Wrestling <clears throat> for a little while, but he always spoke really highly of his work, like his in-ring work. Mm-hmm. And after seeing his match, I can see why. Oh, he, him and Chris Benoit. Oh my God, it was great, especially the part where like they're you know going running the ropes and stuff, and they're doing like arm drags and all that shit. Yeah. Oh, they were they they were working it really well, and then they slowed down the match, and then they did the, you know, test of strength and all that stuff, and like oh my god, like yeah, basically to I like I wrote this, I wrote that Brad and Benoit are working junior heavyweight style, like in Japan. Mm-hmm. I don't know if Brad ever worked in Japan, but he started working like that with him, in my opinion. Yeah, and they were doing that really fast pace, but not too fast. It was spurts of fast action that was happening between slowdown spots mm-hmm. like in like you're saying there's arm drags drop kicks and counters and then they do the test of strength knuckle lock spot and i love that shit because i haven't seen that in so long yep <laughs> i was like this is awesome they're just doing like uh like grabbing each other and like no you're doing this shit and nobody does that shit anymore yeah <laughs> i guess cause it's fucking boring but it's like really cool you get into it i don't know it just does something <laughs> Um, then they do the, this is another thing they did. They start doing hammer locks to each other. Mm-hmm. And then like Brad Armstrong walked around the ring and just like kind of shifted his weight, dumped Benoit out of the ring. And I'm like, I haven't seen that in forever. <laughs> I remember people used to do that. <laughs> and then he tried to do it again, but Brad knew what he was going to do. And he, he countered it in a different way. Yep. <laughs> it was cool. Um, then Brent Benoit hangs Brad on the ropes with front suplex, and he does a springboard clothesline to the outside when he's standing on the apron. Yeah, that was crazy. That was a crazy spot, and the crowd reacted like that, too. They are like, whoa! <laughs> like, what? <laughs> yeah, because, you know, 
this is Benoit like uh, is inspired by Dynamite Kid, right? Uh, yeah, primarily. Yeah, so like seeing him do that was just amazing to watch, and like it, it, it almost was a bad bump, by the way. Like it was, it was amazing to see, but you're just like, holy shit, is Brad Armstrong okay? Because he landed awkwardly on the apron. Yeah, and uh. I think he just did that. Maybe he landed odd because it's the apron. It's the hardest part of the ring, guys. <laughs> they didn't even fucking say that. Mm-hmm. There was no mention of that. I just thought that was funny. <laughs> um, yeah, Benoit was doing a lot of stuff in this match. I'm not used to seeing him do. Like, he's doing springboard shit. These really high crossbodies off the top rope. Yeah. Is Yeah, it was, it was kind of cool to see him work like that. Um <laughs> I like when there was a spot where Benoit was setting up for the headbutt. He scoop slammed Brad. Brad sold it like he fell from a backdrop. He like <laughs> bounced off the, the mat and was like, oh, fuck, from a scoop slam. And then he goes up. This was the only thing I didn't like about this match that they did is when he's going up for the headbutt, Brad tries to cut him off, but Benoit stops him. He like headbutts him or some shit, mm-hmm. and he falls down. And then he goes for a flying headbutt, but it's like weird because he landed like they were like this is the ring. Yeah. Benoit's here. They do that and then Brad falls here. And then he goes for the headbutt and Brad has to roll really far. And he crosses <laughs> like two thirds of the ring off of this move. That's probably the furthest I've ever seen him go doing it. And he misses. I'm like, well, why didn't he just scoop slam him and then miss from all that distance over there? It didn't make any sense to me. I don't know. <laughs> Nitpicking, I guess, but um, Brad gets a little bit more offense than Benoit. He's got a really great knee lift, by the way. Yes. Uh, it's, it's great. Benoit reverses him into a dragon suplex for the pin. Yeah, which, by the way, Jim Ross says German suplex. I don't know if you caught that. Yeah, it was a full Nelson into a German suplex. I, I just think that he didn't... That was a new move back then. Probably. For, for American audiences. Um, I, I mean... Jim Ross back then would call some moves a little odd back then that were like, you know, the high back suplex, like that Ric Flair does and stuff Mm -hmm. where he gets behind him and just lifts them all the way up and dumps them like that. Yeah. Uh, He would always call that a Japanese suplex back in those days. Oh, geez. I mean, it was, it's how the Japanese guys would do the suplex. Yeah. I know. The back suplex, (laughs) but um, not a Snapdragon suplex dragon suplex <laughs> um damn good match i like brad armstrong very smooth natural worker what'd you give it 7.75 out of 10 i gave it a 7.5 out of 10 you got any other things to say about it uh no i just really liked the technical stuff um i think brad uh worked with benoit pretty well uh you know, obviously trying to put this kid over, uh, even though they tout him as like a seven year vet, by the way. I don't know if you noticed that. Like, I did. That's probably true because he start he, he probably started in Calgary mm-hmm. and then he spent all of his. I think he might have went to Mexico for a little bit. I'm not 100 percent on that. It wasn't very long if he did. Yeah. Uh, and then he spent a lot of time in Japan. And you could tell the intensity because you always hear about Chris Benoit with his intensity in the match. And I think putting Brad Armstrong with him uh, matched that intensity. Because if you have somebody that's very lackluster 
and not working with uh, Chris Benoit, it's just it's going to look terrible. And it's probably going to piss off Benoit to the point where he's going to kill your family. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, shit. (laughs) Oh, yeah. You got to have you got to try to match his pace, Mm -hmm. uh, I feel like. But um, this was really good. I liked it. This is, uh, as somebody with a tennis racket would say, this is a match you put on the card to make wrestling look good. Yep. (laughs) It was one of those. A Um, a great mid-carder during that time. Big announcement. The Rock and Roll Express is back. And there's a package showing them in Smoky Mountain Wrestling. Mm Mm-hmm. And they are the Smoky Mountain Wrestling Tag Team Champions right now, and they will be at Super Brawl 3 on February 21st. <laughs> and I'm like, it was cool. I liked the footage they showed from Smoky Mountain Wrestling. That looks like a fun-ass match they were having. And then you see uh, Jim Cornette in there as well. I loved that. I loved when he rolled, when uh, Tom Pritchard rolled out, and then he was, like, hugging him and shit, and he was, like, looking at the camera like, what is going on? Where did they come from? It was so great. <laughs> um, here we go. This is the uh, this is the slow down the show for a little bit because we just had a crazy ass match thing. Mm-hmm. Vinny Vegas comes out to challenge Tony Atlas to do their arm wrestling thing with Ventura doing running commentary. Yeah. <laughs> um, and he's like, uh. Vinny, now you said when you lost to Van Amber before is because you're left-handed. You had to use your right hand last. He was like, yeah, that's right. And, like, I don't Vinny Vegas is, like, trying to do, like, a New York, New Jersey accent at this point. But he's from Vegas, <laughs> Vinny Vegas. And he's from Michigan, by the way. Kevin Nash is from Michigan. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, like, there's not much to say about this. Because, like, it, he won. He beat Tony Atlas. But you know what? This didn't overstay its welcome. Mm-hmm. It was re- kind of short. It was only a couple minutes. Kevin Nash is not a good entertainer. Even when he's, he, even when he's with yeah. NWO, bored the shit out of me. And what is up with Kevin Nash and his stupid clothes? He always looks like he dresses like, you know. I'm going to be sitting in my basement having some beers. The fuck is he wearing like that Adidas fucking pants and shit? That pink one? That's that? what wrestlers wore back then, brother. They wore the Zuba's pants and the fucking the breakaway fucking pants with the neon shit and the fanny packs. Get your fanny pack at uh, nwashop.com. <laughs> um, I have one. It's great. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. Uh, I did say if WWF did this, it would have been 10 plus minutes. Yeah. And I would have been like, oh my God. Cause this reminds me that it, it, I had these flashbacks of all the times where they did arm wrestling competitions or fucking pose downs. Triple H does a muscle pose down with Scott Steiner and it takes fucking, you know, 15 minutes to do and you want to kill yourself. <laughs> <laughs> it was quick. But, you know, this 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 was like three minutes or something, and it was over. Yeah, and that, that, because of that, it was like eh, it was fine. It, it, was, it was okay. It was a good segment. I I didn't mind it. I just I don't like Kevin Nash. He just bores me. Oh wow! Shots fired. Mm. Kevin Nash is fondly remembered by a lot of people around our age. <laughs> okay, Wrecking Crew 
versus Z-Man and J-Gun. I'm, I'm going to start calling Johnny Gun J-Gun because, like, it's confusing to me because of Billy Gun and Bart Gun. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I, he's not related to them in any kind of way at all or tangentially, occupationally, by blood, any of that shit. Yeah. <laughs> so, he's J-Gun now. I, that's what I would have done. He's like, why is Z, you know what Z-Man's name is? What? It's Tom Zink. That was his wrestling name. I don't know if that's his real name, but that was his wrestling name before he became Z-Man. When he was in WCW, and he was supposed to be cool, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, if you're going to team with a guy named Z-Man, why not call yourself J-Gun? I don't know. That's a... Whatever. <laughs> so the Wrecking Crew comes out, and they're called Rage and Fury. <laughs> and are, are those, uh, who are they? Like, who are they in the future? Like, I, I was looking that up, and uh, here's what I got. Uh, they're going to be a Rage is Al Green. And he's been Big Al Green, Al Nitty, Blade, Bounty Hunter 1. And the dog, <laughs> and I'm like, I don't know who the fuck this guy is. <laughs> I can't remember him at all. Like, I thought one of them might have been Hugh Morris at first. Yeah, that's why I was like, bot. yeah, because I was like, one of them looks like a person that could be like in demolition. And I was like, is that you know one of those guys? And I'm like, no, no. They started working, and it was like, no, that's not him. <laughs> <laughs> Um, the other guy is who is Fury has also been Mike Fury and the Terminator. Oh boy. Now here's now here's this guy's deal. He is uh John Laurinaitis's and Road Warrior Animals brother. Oh, okay. And he didn't look anything like them from what I could tell. Like when I was looking at him, I'm like, uh it's kinda like how John Laurinaitis is fucking is that Joe? Yeah, Joe Laurinaitis is animal. And it's like, they're brothers? And it's like, every time I see them, I'm like, how the fuck are they related? <laughs> it's like me and my brother, I guess. We don't really look that alike. I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I kind of like this match a little bit because, uh, you know, especially they, they were showing off Wrecking Crew uh, because they wanted to show how much they wrecked. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, the other team... Again, with WCW, what they're doing is you don't need to have jobbers that just job out really quickly. But they were still a jobber team, in my opinion, because Z-Man and Johnny Gunn. Yeah, I don't think that they're a jobber team. I just think they're a mid card dag team. It was they did want to show showcase Wrecking uh, Crew, and I don't know. Yeah. Like, like they had some, they got some decent offense and it kind of looked like maybe for a minute they could win the match. Mm-hmm. But like, remember the last two shows we watched, they beat another team pretty handily. Yeah. So that's what makes me say, I think they're just a mid card tag team. Um, let's see. Z-Man holds rage off until he hits a high crossbody and dumps rage and fury out. And then he does a flying press to both of them on the outside. <laughs> I was like, "Fuck!" They're doing they're doing like a bunch of dives on this show, like it's in the early nineties. Well, that's what um, that's what uh, you know. I, I know it's down the road when it becomes like Nitro and shit, but yeah. WCW has always been about diversity in like the wrestling uh, way ways of things. Like after Ric Flair left and everything, um, 
that's when you started getting some cruiserweights. That's why you got like two uh, cold. Uh, I almost said Scotty. Two cold Scorpio. <laughs> two cold Scotty. You said that bullshit around. You almost said it anyway. Uh, I mean, uh, the wrestling portion of the this wrestling promotion has always been more important. Mm-hmm. That's, that stems from them being in the NWA. That was always more important to them. Um, let's see. Wrecking Crew gets some decent power offense on Z-Man. Z-Man tags J-Gun, and he awkwardly does a comeback <laughs> until Wrecking Crew gets him and hits him with the finisher, the Wrecking Ball, which is one of the angry guys picks him up like in a backbreaker position, like the, the Bruno San Martino backbreaker. And then the other angry guy comes off the top rope and he punches him in the face and then he falls on his face. And wins. One and, he, and they win. Um, not sold on Jay Gunn. <laughs> <laughs> Just, I'm not impressed with him. Um, Wrecking Crew, I thought, was doing a job at first because they lost control of the match for a little while. But then they turned out okay. Yeah. I have no idea who they are. Now Me- I know, and I still don't know who they are. Me too. <laughs> and it, I I kind of want to see what they become uh, when we watch more of WCW Saturday Night. I want to see the Terminator. That's what I want to see. <laughs> That's Kenny Omega. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, fuck. What, gotta, do you, what do you give this match? I gave it... 5.75 out of 10. I gave it a 6 because it kind of had me guessing for a little while. Okay. And it, I, the the work was solid other than Jay gun I was like, eh, he's not... Eh. <laughs> <laughs> um... Larry is in the back with Flying Brian and Stunning Steve. Yes, I love. And Brian gets fired up and he does a pre-prophetic interview there. Yeah, which by the way, Flying Brian, great in WCW. Like he was great in WWE, but like I feel like he shined more in WCW. Part of that was because of his injury that happened to him. Mm-hmm. You know, with his, with his ankle. He had that really bad car accident before he got to WWF. Yeah. It was like right in the time where he was getting ready to work with them. Uh, he had like this really bad car accident and it fucked his ankle up. Like it shattered his ankle. Mm-hmm. And he had to get it fused back together. It was either he's his, his going to get his foot amputated or he could have kept it if, if they fused it. <laughs> and he said, fuse it. And, well, I guess fusing your ankle together means it has a lot less mobility and it hurts. <laughs> so, he, yeah, when you see how he works and then you you realize, well, you know, later on down the road a few years, he gets his ankle fused. Wow. That really hampered his ability to work. <laughs> um, I, what I'll say uh, with Flying Brian, when he becomes uh, Brian Pillman, uh, in WWE, I I still love the scene where the Stone Cold goes to his house and like, oh my god, he, he shoots him and the, everybody thought that he actually shot him live on TV. Like the people, I actually- love that. Yeah, I was when I was. I mean, when I was on TV, I was like um ten, <laughs> and when I saw that, I was like, what is going on? Did he really shoot him? Like, <laughs> I didn't know, and my dad wasn't there, so I was just watching this by myself. It's, it's, it's still called that, dead <laughs> not that my dad is was gone or any kind of shit like that he worked out of town 
guys. But uh, like, um, I still remember what he said. Like when they were interviewing him in the house, and he's like, hey, he talks about Austin three sixteen. Well, I got Bubba nine millimeter right here. He's got the fucking gun. I was like, oh shit. That's what, what that's when WWE started getting edgier, and I loved it. Yeah, it was good. Like people always say, "Oh, the attitude era started with like '98." Like, no, nah, I mean, their beginnings of it was really in like 1996. Mm-hmm. Really, yeah. you, know, you had characters like Goldust and this shit. Where like, there's a home invasion and somebody's getting fucking shot. <laughs> <laughs> um. Anyway, cool interview. Basically, like Brian Pillman was saying, like, Dude, we're gonna be like amazing. This guy here is like gonna become one of the greatest singles wrestlers ever. And <laughs> he's right. He was fucking right. And, you know, Brian Pill was like, I'm star. I'm going to be a bigger star. And he was going to be a bigger star. It just it shit happened. Mm-hmm. Um, I always wonder, like, man, what could have happened if he didn't He didn't have that car accident? I don't know. He would have been, been great. Because he was supposed to work a program with Austin. That was supposed to be, like, the big thing. They were going to work each other. Mm-hmm. That would have been something. But then again, what would Stone Coldby's career be like if Brian Pillman was at top shape? I don't think it would have changed his push. Um, I just think that Pillman would have ended up being another really big star on the show, probably. Mm -hmm. And he had that personality, and he would cut those crazy promos that he does later in time. Yeah. And he would have been somebody that would be like, oh, man, you know, Austin... The Rock, Brian Pillman, Kane, Undertaker, he would have been in that list of people that you always mention. Yeah. I think. Anyway, we digress. <laughs> <laughs> um, they do back-to-back interviews with the, the Thunderdome, Thunderdome, Thundercage teams. Uh, Sting mostly talks for everybody, and it was pretty short and brief, and he's just like, you know, we're going to go in there, and we're going we're gonna to fight him, and we're going to win. But it's Sting doing it, so it's better. <laughs> Here's my thing. So you're a heel group, right? Yeah. You're, out, you're outnumbering them four to three. I didn't understand why they fucking just, like, killed the Barbarian. Because the Barbarian was, uh, he he hit somebody and fucked them up on their team. I think it was Orndorff or Vader or some shit. He crossed them somehow. Oh, he's friends with Cactus Jack, and they hate Cactus Jack. Oh, yeah, that's right. And they're like, no, you associate with that that bitch, you're out. And then they whipped his ass, and it was, like, kind of cool. <laughs> Paul Ordor fucking pile-drived him on the floor. Yeah, didn't he say, like, you're fired or something? You're fired! And then he picks up Harley Race, and he starts choking him. <laughs> He's like, ah! <laughs> and then they all just fucking dogpile on him. It was great. It was kind of fun. <laughs> I liked it. Um, I, I enjoyed it as well. So this is how they get three on three. And I'm like, okay, so now it's even. It's, it's three on three now. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, hey, I just remembered who was supposed to be on Sting's team. It was Van Hammer. Oh, yeah. He got injured. Van Hammer was doing the arm wrestling thing, and then he was going to be in the Thunder Cage. Okay. So, <laughs> uh, hey, we remembered later. Um, Super Brawl hype package showing the first two events. Lots of great-looking matches. And some funny segments like Missy Hyatt was trying to get in the men's shower for some reason. And I don't know who that was. I think it might have been Dick Murdoch or something. 
He started slapping her ass and telling her he's, to He's out. chewing tobacco. He's like, what are you doing? Get out of the locker room. He smacks her ass. And she's, <laughs> and she's like, oh, God. She gets out of there. Because her mates, she's like, this is the first time we're ever having a, a shower interview. And then, like, comes out this, like, disgusting uh, man with tobacco and, and stuff. She was wanting to find Steamboat in the fucking shower or some shit. That's what <laughs> she was wanting to do. <laughs> but, um. Then there's like this nothing interview from Steamboat and Shane Douglas, and I don't really like them as a team. No, very bland. It's it's feel it just doesn't feel like Steamboat's been in makeshift teams before that worked, like uh, Jay Youngblood, and uh, I guess he teamed with Barry Windham at some point. Yeah, but I never really cared for Shane Douglas. Do you have an opinion on Shane Douglas? No, uh, Shane Douglas in the WCW, he started his thing his career goes downhill when like nitro and all that like when it starts getting near uh bischoff era and all that stuff it starts to dwindle down a little bit and i just never really cared for shane douglas he um what did what did i hear from i don't know chris benoit's uh, wife that he killed <laughs> wasn't like shane douglas the the other man or something no that was um um Oh god damn it. Kevin Sullivan. <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. I just didn't care for him. Uh and this team is very bland. Who would you have uh Steamboat team up with if you had a choice? Dustin. Okay. That was a, that's the first one that came to mind for me, like Dustin. What about Cactus Jack? Yeah, but like the way Cactus's character is right now, I could I couldn't buy it at all. Because mm-hmm. uh, he's when we get into that later when he does an interview. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. I know Douglas becomes like a like he goes to WWF for a little bit as Dean Douglas, and that character was just death. <laughs> it was terrible, and he, he could he was never given a. Now I know he was never given a chance to even get over properly because of the click. Anyway, they held him down while he was there. Mm-hmm. But allegedly, he became more of a something when he went to ECW, and he became the franchise Shane Douglas. But I know nothing about that. I didn't get ECW TV. I wasn't in the area. Yeah, I I, I only watch ECW like. I want to say early 2000s. Yeah. So, next match. Ricky Steamboat, Shane Douglas versus Stunning Steve Austin and Flying Brian Pillman for the Unified Tag Team Championships. Hell this yeah. This is the, the semi-main event, I guess. This is when Stunning Steve Austin's getting all hyped up and shit and, like, pulling on the ropes. He's like, yeah, he's they go fast. Him and Steamboat start, and they just start going, like, really fast. Mm-hmm. It it's cool. It's weird seeing Stone Cold with hair. He's got hair, and he's he looks a little bit more built from back in those days. Yep. He's got more muscle on him. And yep. Steve offers his hand to do a handshake. Ricky doesn't fall for it. And he kicks him because he's an asshole that doesn't shake his hand. Yeah, Austin beats him into the corner and tags Brian. Dude, that, then, that crossbody huh? that fucking Steamboat does on uh, on Stone Cold... Oh man, it looked fucking like it looked like it hurt. That's how yeah. fucking like hard Steamboat went on Steve Austin. 
And then there was one part where uh, Steamboat, you know, when they start doing like the chaos thing where everybody's fighting, like uh, Steamboat does this backhand like punch and like Stone Cold just like fucking flops out of the, the ring. And I was like, yeah. that's that's good selling a little bit. <laughs> they always worked really good together. I mean, Steamboat worked good fucking everybody, except Dan Spivey. But like I said, you're handling a 300-pound sack of shit with him. <laughs> <laughs> um, Ricky and Shane get a series of quick tags, and they work Brian's arm. They keep putting him in arm ringers and doing, like, uh, axe handles and arm ringers and wrist locks and top rope axe handles and knee lifts to his arm. <laughs> and then Brian whips Shane away and does a uh, drop down leapfrog deal. Yep. But when Brian lands from the leapfrog, he tweaks his knee. He goes down. He's like, Oh my knee. <laughs> and he starts, and then he's like, no, get him away. My knee's fucked up. And then Shane's like, no, he's not fucked up. And then Brian suckers him in. And he does the, um, he tries to do a springboard thing, and then Shane Douglas power slams him in midair. I don't know if you saw, and uh, because I always watch the fans and stuff, because I want to see if like people are thinking like, "Oh, he's actually hurt." But there was a fan that was like being a heel fan, like for uh, Brian Pillman, and he yeah. was he was like telling Shane Douglas or uh, Steamboat to like stop, don't don't hurt him. He's he's injured. And then, like, when Brian Pillman got up and, like, you know, he, he like, turned to the crowd and laughed and stuff, you just see the, you see the fan, he's, like, clapping. He's like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that would have been me. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's see. Pillman eventually gets, he, he gets away from him and tags Austin back in. And Shane controls Austin with a hammer lock for a while. And him and Ricky do some quick tags, and they work his arm, too, and, Austin and Shane do bridges until Austin whips him into the corner and then Shane hits some kind of weird trust fall move on him. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's like they, they ran to the opposite corner, like Shane got whipped and then he jumped up and just goes like, ah, like back at him. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, what the fuck was that? Okay. <laughs> um, Austin and Pillman get advantage and Austin hits a back suplex on Steamboat near his corner and then Pillman gets a cheap shot on Shane, who gets mad and distracts the ref, while Brian illegally throws Steamboat over the rope. <laughs> and then Austin scoop slams Steamboat on the floor, Ricky Steamboat's dreaded enemy, the concrete floor. <laughs> everything bad, when Steamboat goes to the concrete floor, something really bad happens to him out there every time without fail. <laughs> <laughs> he gets DDT, he gets scoop slammed. You fucking something. Um, the ref doesn't know what's going on. Pillman and Austin continue to use the ref to their advantage and fucking with him, grabbing his attention. And then Austin puts Seaboat in a reverse backbreaker hold and walks over to get a tag from Pillman. And then he goes to like do his air Pillman thing, you know, the slingshot clothesline. Yep. But he hits he hits Austin. Oh no. Yeah, because you're like, uh-oh, there's going to be, like, tension. And if if I remember correctly, this is where uh, they get a belt and they hit one of, the, one of the guys, and that's where the DQ happens? Or is it? am I too early for that? It's a little bit. It's coming soon. Steamboat sells forever because he's crippled now. <laughs> <laughs> and he gets cut off twice before he can get that hot tag. 
<laughs> and then Shane, it is a hot tag. Uh, and Shane goes in for a big comeback. He just punches and drop kicks and drop kicks and punches and drop kicks and drop kicks. And he does arm drags and drop kicks. <laughs> and Shane tries to pin Brian, but Austin comes in off the top rope with his signature elbow, you know, his forearm elbow. Yeah. Gets him in the back of the head. And then Steamboat and Austin fight outside, and then Douglas rolls up Hillman, but then Austin grabbed the belt, and then he fucking swings it like a baseball bat at his head. (laughs) And then they get DQ'd. The referee says it. And then both of them are just like, fuck it. And then they start beating the shit out of both of them. And then they take the belts. They They took the belts. And then guess what happens? They're still beating on him. The locker room comes out to save them. <laughs> Speaking of things that don't happen anymore, you ever notice that now? But nobody saves anybody? No. It's <laughs> like every time like somebody like gets their ass kicked and it's like, you know, egregiously violent or somebody took advantage and it's like the match is over. Stop beating his ass. Stop it. You know? Or somebody and their fucking asshole friends comes out to beat this guy up. I think WWE did it recently where um, Shawn Michaels was talking to Randy Orton about like, because remember Randy Orton like killed Ric Flair and uh, and like Randy Orton beat the shit out of him. And then Drew McIntyre came out to save one guy. Yep. And I mean, that's just because Sean did it. Probably. He said, now you come out and do this, but if he wasn't there and he didn't say to do that, that wouldn't have fucking happened. Yeah. It was because everybody gets their ass kicked nowadays, and then apparently nobody has any fucking friends, <laughs> except in AEW, I guess. Just now, Dustin came out because Brody Lee was talking shit about Cody, and then he got his ass kicked, and then a bunch of all of Cody's friends came out because Dustin was getting beat up. So okay, yeah. <laughs> okay. being fair, good match, even with the DQ finish, it sets up for a rematch. I gave it a, a 7.2 out of 10. I gave it 7.5. Uh, did you have anything else to say about this one? No, I, I, I enjoyed it. Uh, again, uh, they're all great workers, except, I don't know, Shane Douglas is okay. He's He really bores me sometimes. Uh, he's, mechanically speaking, he's fine, other than he did a really weird trust fall move. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just don't know why he would do that. But I don't know why my yeah. camera's not focusing. That's That's bothering me a little bit because you're ugly that probably <laughs> uh, I don't know. uh but anyway no i just enjoyed it uh i think brian pillman steve austin uh rick uh steamboat i love steamboat selling i love uh oh, yeah. pillman pillman does great selling i i there was a lot of technical in this fucking match and I was and I, I miss psychology in the match which that needs to be happening more often so I, I agree. It's entertaining. <laughs> now, Vader and Harley come out for an interview with Jesse Ventura. Harley's putting Vader over pretty good. And then Ron Simmons comes out and then Ron just starts saying, like, I'm going to put Vader on your back again. And like, he's gets in Harley's face. He starts talking shit to him and then he just punches Harley in the face <laughs> and he keeps punching him in the face. And it's like, everybody keeps attacking Harley Race. What the hell? (laughs) (laughs) Vader tries to stop him, but then Ron fights him off and throws him in the corner and beats his ass. And then he he whips him. And then he does this big-ass spine buster. And when he hits it, he, like, jumps in the air because he he slammed Vader and it made it look good. 
Mm-hmm. And then Ron finds Harley on the outside and he starts punching him in the face like this. Yeah, and it, it happens for a good like minute. And then that's when Vader comes in, does the Vader splash, and then hits him with the uh, shoulder breaker, which, by the Twice. way, amazing move. Great move, yeah. It, it 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 fucking kills the shoulder, and I think again a move that is you know aimed to do damage should be shown that it does damage. Period. To me, that's like a really good looking move, but I think there's almost no chance of you getting injured doing it. Mm-hmm. Like it's another one of those kind of moves that they should bring back because it looks like it looks like it would fucking hurt, but I don't think it would hurt at all. And then Sting and, you know, Dustin Rhodes uh, comes out and, you know, saves again. Another save. Another save. But what's Ron's status after this, though? Oh. <laughs> Unknown. Then, then we find out very soon after. Because <laughs> uh, the Thunder Cage starts. Uh, and then all, er, Vader's team comes out minus the Barbarian because fuck him. <laughs> <laughs> And then Sting and Dustin come out because fuck. Because Ron Simmons' shoulders separated and Van Hammer injured his fucking, his funny bone or something. I don't know. So, by, um, by the way, Paul Orndorff, is that his gear now? Is he, like, just jeans and <clears throat> knee pads? No. No, because this was supposed to be, like, a street fight, and that's why Dustin and uh, Barry and Sting were dressed like they were. Vader was the only one that dressed in his ring gear. <laughs> Because and I, I just I for some reason I'm like you know what I buy that I buy Vader would come in his fucking ring gear anyway. I mean Vader was in Boy Meets World so in, yeah in his ring gear. Oh great! See that guy is just dedicated. <laughs> so Dustin and Barry start us off. Dustin punches Barry into the corner, and then they crisscross, and then Dustin makes a tag, and then Sting hits a bulldog, and a, he fucking press slams Barry Windham. And it's just been so long since I've seen younger Sting mm-hmm. that I'm just I'm shocked by his strength. Just like, <laughs> he just goes, "What?" He fucking throws him like, "Holy shit!" Because <laughs> uh, like my my more recent memories of Sting, and I'm not counting like when he's just been back in WWE recently. Is like, yeah, it goes back to when he was in TNA and he was older, and I still can remember some of the stuff he did in later WCW. You know, when he was Crow Sting. Mm-hmm. And he was still kind of presented as being strong, but I just never felt like he wrestled like how he did when he was younger, when people refer to this version of Sting as Surfer Sting. <laughs> yeah, why Why is that? Because of his colors and shit? Uh, I think because Sting kind of had sort of like this, I don't want to say it was his gimmick, uh, but like he had this air of I'm this dude from California and I do surfing and I'm cool and I hang out on the beach and I'm tan and I work out and I'm a fucking cool guy. That was just Surfer Sting. (laughs) Now, coincidentally, Surfer Sting was always my favorite version of Sting. Really? Yes. I don't know why. I I always liked him like that. I always thought he was cool and he was like hyped. You know, he was always really hyped and he was, he could do just amazing shit for a guy that size that he shouldn't really be able to do. You know, like he's doing t- over the top rope dives and shit to the outside. Mm-hmm. And he does like all these drop kicks and all these other moves. I'm like, God damn, that guy is massive and he's able to do all this shit. Like how? Sting always <laughs> likes WCW, by the way. I've, I've always noticed that. 
because you know he's he was he was surfacing in WCW and then uh, tell me if I'm wrong or not. Was Surface Sting ever on WWE? Because I no I, no okay. No. Like um, he worked territories for a little while, very early in his career, and he was in a tag team with Ultimate Warrior. Okay, they were the Blade Runners, and then like um, fucking they both sucked apparently, <laughs> from what I'm told, and then one of them went on to WWF. You know which one that is. Mm-hmm. And the other one went to NWA and just kept working territories and Sting got good and Ultimate Warrior got popular. Yeah. <laughs> so, so there. <laughs> anyway, Barry tags Vader and then Bar- Vader starts beating the fuck out of uh, everybody. <laughs> and then Sting starts throwing bombs at him, though. He just starts going like, wham, like throwing these big punches. Yeah, in the corner. Yeah, and he does inverted atomic drop. He picks Vader up and atomic drops him. And then Stinger Splash. And then Sting beats Vader down into the corner like Vader beats people down. He starts <laughs> punching him over and over. And it's like, yes! Like, I'm getting into this shit. <laughs> and then Sting whips Vader in the other corner, but then Vader fucking flips over the rope mm-hmm. like a cruiserweight would and gets up on the fucking top rope. It punches Sting, and then Vader hits the top rope body block on Sting, taking him out. <laughs> I saw that, and I was like, what the fuck? Like, I literally said, what the fuck, when I saw him do that. Can we talk about this cage, though? Because yeah, it's, it's just a cage. It's a cage, and there's no DQ, right? Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. they have to tag each other in? Yeah, because it's a tag match. Okay, because I was just like, any of these guys could just let loose and have like a tornado tag team or just like beat up on one guy and just beat up the other team and then you win, right? Or was that like a hidden rule, like you can't do that? No, you can't do that because they're having a tag match. It's, it's a street fight, no DQ tag match in a cage. Um, But the kind of thing you're talking about is like war games. Yeah. You know, so like I, they don't want to step on war games, you know, so they, they're still doing that. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, yeah. They kept saying thunder, thunder cage. Oh my god! And then like, it's like I was telling you off the show. I was like, I kept thinking it was going to be an electrified cage because that one time that thing happened with the duel of the butcher where they electrocuted him in the cage. <laughs> and I was like, nope, it's just a cage. I'm like, all right, it was just a gimmick name, I guess. Um. Anyway. Vader misses a big splash after he does that, and then Sting clotheslines him to the outside. And then while Sting's doing his, his Sting yell, his woo thing, you know, like that, Paul Hordorff grabs him and German suplexes the fuck out of him. <laughs> like, it looked brutal. And then he drags him to his corner, and then Vader tags Ordorf, and Ordorf just starts beating the fuck out of Sting. <laughs> like, he's stomping him, he's stomping him, he's punching him and shit, he's just, like, I, I like Paul Orndorff. I don't know. Like, I always thought he was a solid worker. He's a fucking, like, stacked dude altogether. He's built. And from what, I, from what I was always told, not told, I guess, but, like, from what I've always heard, he was he was all natural. No supplements. Oh. That guy was, like, a fitness fanatic. Vince, so, would, Vince would love him. From what I heard before Hogan, is supposedly Vince was maybe thinking about trying to push Paul Orndorff like that. Mm-hmm. But then Hogan. 
I don't know. That that might just be a rumor. Um, the crowd gets is really into this match though. Yes, they were hyped. Um, Barry comes in to work on Sting, and then Vader comes back in, and then he press slams Sting, and he throat punches him. Yeah, like, I fucking love that. He was like, ah, and he just hits him in the throat. And he's like, yeah, like <laughs> oh my god, press slam, press slam, throat punch. They fucked up Sting in this match. I know. It was great. <laughs> <laughs> and then Sting gets a tag, and then Dustin comes in like a house of fire. And he starts beating the fuck out of all three of them until they get tired of it, and they just leave Barry in there to get his ass kicked. <laughs> <laughs> and then Cactus Jack comes out with bolt cutters. And then he makes his way over to the cage, and then he fucking cuts the lock off. And he gets in and he takes off his cowboy boot. And he starts hitting everybody. He keeps coming. He's hitting everybody with his cowboy boot. And he's jumping off. And he's hitting people with a cowboy boot. And this is Cactus's face turn. Because everybody's like, yes! Like, when he was doing this. And he's just booting the fuck out of them. Yeah. And then, like, it, it gets chaotic for a little bit there. And people are spilling outside and stuff. But then Orndorff goes for his power driver on Dustin. And then Cactus climbs up to the turnbuckle over there. And then he comes off and just clocks him in the back of the head with the boot. And he goes, oh, and just flops backwards. <laughs> and then Dustin pins him and he wins. And, or no, um, Dustin collapsed and then Cactus pinned Orndorff. And then the referee counted it. <laughs> so Cactus got the pinfall. He's not even in the match. Yeah, and Jesse Ventura kind of brings that up. And, He's not even in the match. What the hell? <laughs> and then, like uh, Jim Ross is like, "Well, this is you know a street fight. Anything could happen. There's you know no disqualification." But it's yeah, just, brother. But it's just like, but you had tag rules. Whatever. I I liked it. It, <laughs> it was entertaining. It was fun. It was yeah. a good main event. It was fun. Nothing bad happened. You know. Would you give uh, it? I gave it an eight point because it was just so fun. I gave it a, I gave it a, I'm going to have to agree with you. I, I gave it a 7.9, but I think after talking about it, I gave it an 8.0. There's just some good work in there, even though they, they tried to gimmick up this, oh, Thunder Cage. It was just a cage. Yep. <laughs> and then some silly shit happened where Cactus was in the match, but not really. <laughs> <laughs> Who cares? It was cool. Yep. So they set up Ordorf and Cactus immediately after that happens. They're like, that's just going to happen on Saturday night. And then Cactus cuts this really damn good promo after it's over when he's ringside. And he's like, you guys turn on me and, and, you know, Vader can beat me up and he beats my ribs up and I say I'm in over my head and all this shit. And he's like, but you guys are in over your heads. (laughs) (laughs) Bye bye. And then he climbs up on the cage. He's being crazy and shit. And this is and then, where, this is where we get the scene where he's just like say good say good night to the cactus. Good night, cactus. Good night, cactus. And that's how they sign off. <laughs> oh my god. So, um, overall, this show did a good job of hyping for upcoming shows, specifically Super Brawl Three. I really love that that video package for Super Brawl Three. And they're setting up all these other matches that are going to happen. Like Muda, Great Muda is going to be at Super Brawl Three. Mm-hmm. And then we know, see, we know that Ric Flair is leaving WWF very soon. Yeah. Does that mean Ric Flair is going to fight Great Muda for the NWA championship? Mm. Oh, fuck. <laughs> oh, it could be really good, man. 
It's going to be great. Um, but, you know, they're setting up Vader and Sting for Super Brawl and stuff. And Cactus is going to do something at Super Brawl, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the production value seemed better on the show. I I don't know why. It just did. Yeah. <laughs> like, the camera quality was a lot better and stuff. It felt like a, a mini pay-per-view, this, uh, this match. Or this... Uh show show so what do you what do you score this show i gave this a 7.3 out of 10 ah we're pretty much like in the ballpark i gave it a 7.25 nice we're, we're right there i think good show I, I would recommend like you know like oh want to check out random old ww show uh, check out class champions 22 <laughs> I, I would say that it was, so it's great but now we're going into uh, you know, back to regular programming. Yep, Saturday night, January 16th, the Saturday after this Wednesday or whatever the fuck it is. <laughs> <laughs> Where, man, it shows like when the camera is like, oh, welcome to Saturday night, and it shows that big-ass neon sign. Mm-hmm. What? Where is that sign? I want to know where that sign is because I love it. <laughs> I don't it's, know. It's, it looks so good. I just want to know. I want to know if that's in the WWE warehouse or some shit. Or if somebody stole it. I want it. Um, I want it too. Jim and Larry are with Bill Watts. And he tells us tonight that Dustin Rhodes and Ricky Steamboat, their match, the U.S. title tournament thing, mm-hmm. is actually for the title because Rick Rude is injured and he's he's stripped officially. <laughs> and um, That's why I was kind of confused. At near the end, which we'll talk about later. Yeah. Um, also, there is going to be information about Eric Watts later, about what happened. There's going to be some clarifications, some footage. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, opener, six-man tag. Barry Windham, Steve Austin, Brian Pillman against Brad Armstrong, Johnny B. Bad, and two Cole Scorpio. And I was like, whoa, they're opening big on this one. Yeah, it was kind of a clusterfuck for me, but it was like a good clusterfuck. It was fun. It was it was uh, fun to watch. Um, Pillman and Brad start out, and they do exchange, and crisscross, and then leap in the air and try to arm drag each other, and I thought that was a really cool spot, and I can't remember the last time I've seen that. <laughs> yeah, I haven't seen that either. I just I was like, whoa, that was cool, and then... There's kind of a dust up in there. Like everybody starts trying to get in there and interfere. And then Brad sends everybody running except Austin who begs off, which I thought was hilarious. <laughs> He's like, he throws Brian out and then Barry Wyndham goes in and he punches him out. And then Austin goes to go in and he's like, Oh no. no. And he rolls out of the ring real fast. He's like, no, fuck that. <laughs> um, Pillman gets back in and he suckers Brad in and he tags Austin. And then they're reversing shit. And then, he does a drop to hold, do an arm bar. Man, an arm bar. Arm bar. Arm bar. And then Brad tag, tags Johnny in. They do wrist locks and shit. And then they start working the arm. And then Austin drives Johnny back into his corner and tags Barry. Then Barry beats on Brad for a few moments. And then Scorpio gets the tag. And then he picks up the pace. The pace. The pace that goes quicker. Then, then Scorpio hits a sweet ass crescent kick. And then he tags Bad back in. And then Austin and Pillman beat on him. And then Barry comes in and hits that really awesome looking suplex theory. Always does the float over pen. Yeah. It just looks like every time he does it, it's like super smooth. It's like, wow, it's artful. 
<laughs> the Brad art, Arm, huh? The art of wrestling. The art of wrestling, except no annoying ass Colt Cabana. <laughs> um, <laughs> Brad Armstrong really knows how to move in the ring. Like everything he does just looks great. Yes. Kind of reminds me, his movements remind me of the Macho Man a little bit. Okay, yeah, I, I could see that. Um, everything breaks down, and then Barry hits his impaler on Brad for the pin. It's over. Oh, yeah, dude. That fucking move, I love it. That, that, it lifts invert DDT, yeah. Mm-hmm. Damn good opener. It was fun. It was crazy. What'd you give it? Seven. I gave it a 6.75 out of 10. Mm-hmm. It was fast. It was fun. I just, it was too much chaos for me for a little bit. I can, I can see that. There's a couple moments where they, they, everybody got in there and shit went sideways. Um, there's a quick post-match interview with Barry and he was doing good heel promo shit. Mm-hmm. Very, I like, I like Barry Windham so far from what I've seen of him. Um, I remember I saw him in WWF actually in the mid nineties and I'd never saw him before and didn't, didn't know anything about him, but he was called the stalker. <laughs> they gave him a fucking silly ass gimmick. Yeah. I think, I, I think I remember that. And I was like, who the fuck is the stalker? And I was like kind of scared of him at first because I thought he was like a crazy guy or some shit. No. Cause he's like this dude in the woods. He's got this face camo shit. And he's talking about how he like fucking stalks his prey <laughs> and and eliminates them or some shit. Kills them. <laughs> and I think, like, apparently the way the story went was Vince learned that Barry would have liked hunting and out, doing the outdoor shit. He's like, ha, we can make a gimmick out of that pal. And fucking he did, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Vader challenges Stig for, to the White Castle of Fear, which was part of my promo in the beginning. Yeah. And this was, to me, this was like the stereotypical wrestling promo everybody always comes up with in their head. When they think, oh, well, wrestlers do interviews. And honestly, I loved it. I just loved it because Vader was so over the top. And he was in fake snow. He was in a blizzard delivering <laughs> this promo. Like, like Vader was in the Rocky Mountains where his white castle of fear is. <laughs> like, I was like, it's, it's just, I, I loved it. I don't know. It's just, I, I like it when Vader talks because he just gets so over the top of that shit. Um, and then Vader came out and fought Dan Dixon. <laughs> and it was amazing because this is, you want to know, like, the king of the squash match, in my opinion, is Vader. Mm-hmm. See, Vader body blocks Dan before there's even an intro that's finished. He just runs in and does that, bam, that bam shit. And everybody was, like, cheering for Vader. <laughs> And he squashes this poor bastard, and it's incredible. Yeah. He just hits, like, some of his big moves. Like, he does, like, the fucking, the uh, top rope. He does the the splash on the ground, and he does the top rope splash. And then he powerbombs the fuck out of him. And in my opinion, to this day, Vader still has the best powerbomb. Yes, and Harley Race out there. By the way, yeah, I I actually just saw a clip of Vader doing his his, uh, powerbomb. He picks up the guy, and he just drops him. It's like he fucking drives him into the mat. It just Mm. looks brutal. And he did fuck a couple guys up on his powerbomb a few times. They mentioned that on the commentary. Uh, He did legitimately break somebody's back with that powerbomb. 
He's an intense guy. I love it. I just, I, and I hate like how his WWF push went. Yeah. It's... Oh man. The squash by the king of squashes. And I don't grade squashes. So it was just a really good fun squash. I think I'm going to do that too. I'm not going to grade it. I usually grade it, but yeah, fuck it. it it's hard to, it's just what he's, the guy beat him in under a minute and a half. Like, fucking... <laughs> <laughs> um, Ron Simmons does this really good interview with um, uh, Teddy Long backstage. Mm-hmm. And I really like this version of him. When he's not all gimmicked up and shit. Yeah, because he's, like he's, he's, huh? he's a badass. He's not the, damn, or like. Damn. I mean, I like it when he did that shit when he was an APA. Mm-hmm. Before it started, just all he did was say damn. Yeah. I liked it. I liked APA. But, like, before he goes to WWF, they make him Farouk Assad, the fucking weird-ass gladiator thing. <laughs> and then they make him the Nation of Domination, the, the Black Panther fucking gang leader. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just like, I like this version of Ron Simmons, where he's just this badass athlete guy and stuff. I want to see him in a match soon. Me too. I can't wait until uh, we see see one. Yeah. And then, now, this is the moment we've all been waiting for. This is where we finally learn the truth of what happened with Eric Watts and Arne Anderson. All right, the only thing I don't believe in this fucking video is, <laughs> why would a little girl know Eric Watts? So I don't think she knew him. I think she was just a fan, and they happened to see Eric Watts at the gas station filling up. And then, like, her dad just happens to have a VHS camera. Yeah, and... I mean, that happens sometimes. I guess. But it's Eric Watts, so, like... And that's what makes it unbelievable is that it's Eric Watts. If that was Sting, mm-hmm. you know, or, or like maybe like Ricky Steamboat, I could buy that. <laughs> not not fucking Eric Watts. <laughs> fucking Art Anderson just pulls up in this like white <laughs> Buick and stuff. Yeah, yeah. But before but before that, it's like yeah, this little girl's like, oh my god, it's it's Eric Watts, and the, the, her dad's got the cameras. Like, yeah, get, yeah. It's great. He's getting an autograph from him and all this other stuff. Mm-hmm. And then Arn pulls up like what you're talking about. It's <laughs> out of the fucking car. He's like, I told you I'd find you, boy. I'm going to whip your ass. It's like literally what he says. <laughs> and he like throws his head to the fucking car and he starts punching him. He tries to slam his head in the car door and shit. Those, <laughs> those cops, by the way, like came out of nowhere. Yeah, well, they say so the dad was yelling, "Somebody call the cops!" Ah, and then like two, the, dad, the two dad's co- acting was kind of eh, there. Yeah, the, the two cop cars out of nowhere was just like, that's funny. It it's pretty pretty awesome. Like this in the '90s, seeing this happen because, like, again, you know, internet wasn't big yet, and just like maybe seeing this, like, oh my god, you know, this fuck, is- internet at this point was still basically non-existent. Yeah. <laughs> um, eventually Eric Watts gets the best of Arn somehow I think he put, kicked him in his knee and it, like they set that up before his knees fucked up still he's recovering mm-hmm. and he puts him in the STF and then he doesn't let go of him until the police show up and arrest him yeah they had and, like they had like one random guy yeah come in and he's like get off get off and like he didn't like let go I'll give them credit here because the attack looked good and it felt kind of real. Yeah, it was believ- I just, believable. I just don't buy Eric Watts is the problem. Yeah. 
I don't buy him as like this guy who's like, what, what the fuck is are they trying to portray with him? Like, he's supposed to be like this baby face, I guess. Mm-hmm. But apparently, he's vicious as shit because when he gets you in his fucking finisher, he does not let go. That's usually like a heel thing. Like, what the fuck? In front of this girl, like this girl's like, oh, I love Eric Watts. And then he sees like him get brutally attacked by this dude in the gas station. But then he turns the tables on him. He cheap kicks him in his injured knee and then tries to choke him the fuck out on the concrete ground of the gas station. Well, Arn Anderson doesn't give a fuck either because right when that little girl is there, he just like charges that fucking Eric Watts. Yeah. And like terrifies this girl. (laughs) The other thing I want to say about this segment real quick and we can go is um, I like that it was VHS camera that lent something that made it look more candid Mm -hmm. because if this was done today, it would be filmed with the fucking high dollar goddamn camera and it would look like it would just look manufactured. Yeah, the cops got there too quick, and there's other shit that you could pick it apart with, but at least it looked believable. <laughs> now, the Wrecking Crew versus Keith Cole and Chris Sullivan. That weird flat top uh, <sighs> thing that that guy was wearing. <laughs> I was going to say, this is the second show like in a row where I've made some kind of comment about people's ridiculous ass hair. <laughs> Keith Cole had a flat top with a, a mullet. <laughs> I'm like, Oh my God. Like <laughs> that's fucking ridiculous. And then Chris Sullivan looks like he belongs in the seventies. Yes. Like he's just, he's like balding and he has like a fucking mustache and he's like kind of hairy and he's not really in good shape. He has like that seventies wrestler body. He moved pretty well. <laughs> He moved okay, I thought. He, to me, he came off like a guy that could work, but he, he's past his prime for sure. Um, Keith and Chris keep advantage for a while, surprisingly, again, with these huge guys, until Fury comes back in and he just choke tosses Sullivan. <laughs> and he just goes, Ugh! just throws him across the ring. Yeah. The Wrecking Crew takes advantage Sometimes, sometimes they do. And surprisingly, the short, fat, balding guy keeps getting the most offense in this match. Yeah, it was, <laughs> it was weird to see that. That's why I was like, he moved pretty well compared to, like, Chris Sullivan. Maybe, like, what were you going to say? <laughs> I was going to say, maybe the flat top was slowing him down. Maybe. I Then... I, I don't. I'm trying to figure out how he got so much offense in this match. It's just like, what the fuck? This dude doesn't look like he can compare to these guys. And his partner is like, honestly, kind of huge. He's just as big as they are, if not bigger. Maybe he was going to business for himself. Maybe he was. Maybe he was like a veteran and he had like all this leverage because these guys, I don't know if they're brand new or not mm-hmm. at this point, but like the other dude obviously is. <laughs> He's like, watch, watch, learn, pal. I'm going to show you. <laughs> I don't know. It was weird. <laughs> um, wrecking crew gets a blind tag and they hit the wrecking ball and they fucking end it. It was a weird match. I would have put wrecking crew over stronger. Yeah. They just got done beating a more established team of Z man and J gun at clash. And I then get- it's like, they struggle with this short, fat, balding jobber guy. Yeah. <laughs> the only thing I'll say is the, 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 you know, the fat balding guy, like he had great, uh, cross bodies 
Which, by the way, cross bodies must have been a thing back in the nineties. To be like, oh, crazy that he's throwing his body at people. Um, it was it was a staple move back then, like drop kick. Yeah, but you know, again, as a team, wrecking crew should be wrecking crews, not like you know, getting you know the other team getting a little offense in you. So I gave this a five point five out of ten. I gave it a four point five out of ten. Okay. Because I just thought the booking didn't make any sense. I, I, that dude got way too much offense. These guys are huge, and I feel like they should be pushing them a little stronger. So, right. Tony does a quick interview with Dustin, who is a natural talker. He's the natural brother. Mm-hmm. Whatever. He just says some good. He just says some good shit, and it's believable. And you like Dustin. And that jack um, that jacket he wears. Very jacket's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> they recap a little bit more stuff. Muda is going to defend the NWA World's Heavyweight Championship at Super Brawl 3 against two. I still think it's Ric Flair. That's my prediction. It's Ric Flair. Cool. Or it's Rick Rude. It's either Ric Flair or it's Rick Rude. I'm going to go Ric Flair. Because at some point, Rick Rude gets that old belt, that, that old big gold belt. And then Ric Flair gets the other belt, and there's like this thing going on between them. I'm the real world's champion. No, I am. That happens at some point. Um, let's see. Steamboat gives a great baby face versus baby face interview about facing Dustin. And he tells him, you know, you know, brother, like I've had a lot of opportunities, but you know, those opportunities are starting to come a little slower for me. And you better bring your best because I'm going to bring mine. If you see an opportunity, you take it. Hmm. I'm like, that's good shit. That's good shit, Steamboat. Thank you. Very believable. It's very be- it wasn't goofy bullshit or anything. He didn't make any fucking jokes. Steamboat <laughs> looked like he wanted to kill the camera. He did. He, he's intense. <laughs> and I love how, like, we cut back to the ring, and then I love how the ring announcer always addresses everyone as wrestling fans. <laughs> like, wrestling fans this next is matches for one fall i'm like yeah man he calls wrestling fans <laughs> max Payne versus rick savage no relation <laughs> <laughs> um god that's the other guy i was gonna look up i was like i don't know who the fuck max Payne is but he moves pretty good for a guy that size his gear was weird i guess they were trying to go with like he's this crazy big guy and <laughs> It's spelled Max with like actual pain. What was this? It's spelled like Max Pain, the fucking video game. Max um, Wrestler. He's just Max Pain. Okay. He's also been Beater. <laughs> beater. Blacksmith. Buffalo Peterson. He, he, Heavy Metal Buffalo. He was a musician. Oh, really? Uh huh. Lu- Lucifer Pain. Man Mountain Rock, Maximum Pain, and then <laughs> three variations of Max Payne. Max Payne lawsuit. In July 2003, Peterson filed a $10 million lawsuit in the United States District Court for Utah against Rockstar Games because of the Max Payne name in the video game. Oh, it, was, it settled out of court. They just told him, they're here, fucking shut up, leave us alone, they gave him some money. Yep. that's what it says well not verbatim what we said but it just says the case was settled out of court 
pretty much. That's basically what happened, yeah. Well, I've heard this guy before, this Max Payne dude, but I, I don't ever remember what he looked like. And I still didn't recognize him from seeing him here. Mm-hmm. This is just a squash, though. Like, he's, oh, I'm a big crazy guy, and he was a big crazy guy, and he moved pretty good. And it was he beats this jobber's ass with a Fujiwara armbar, which is strange for a guy that size. Yep. Hey, squash! But they made him strong, so squash. <laughs> it was really weird, though, because that dude Rick Savage was not small. He was, like, of similar size. He was actually, like, a more fit big guy. Mm-hmm. He's whipped his ass, though. Hell yeah. Um, Vinny Vegas wants an arm wrestling rematch with Van Hammer. <laughs> and then he vaguely threatens him mafia style. Like, don't make me get some people I know to come pay you a visit. Like it, that. It was so weird. It's it kind of weird. Fuck Kevin Nash. I could buy DDP cutting that promo because he's actually from fucking New Jersey. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And he was a nightclub owner and all this other bullshit. I'd buy DDP doing that. I know some people. I know some people. I've ran a few nightclubs, some establishments in my day. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't even know if that was a good DDP promo or not. I was just trying it. <laughs> um, they recap all the stuff going on with Cactus lately. It goes to yet another great Cactus interview where he talks about how he hates that they got the fans to cheer for him. <laughs> And he'll hate Vader and Ordorf instead to fill the void because he feeds off of their hatred. That's so great. That's just good shit. I'm like, yeah, that's like, you can see this is like part of what sets Mick Foley apart from other wrestlers at this time is that he's thinking about promos more and on a more deep level than what other people are. Curse you. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but like he, he actually thought about this. Like, it seems like he's like, you know, like I'm supposed to be the bad guy and they made everybody cheer for me. And it's like, well, I hate that. That's my motivation. <laughs> you know, like he, he, he sat there and thought about that, which is true because I've read all of his books and he'd talk about how he'd drive everywhere and he would just think about promos and stuff. So, yeah. there you go. I, I I could see that he he's very uh, he, he thinks that way. He's always thinking you know money and how he's gonna make you know things look good. He cares about. He's always, it. He's always thinking money because he always stays in the cheapest hotels. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Marcus Alexander Bagwell versus Chris Benoit. Mm-hmm. Two for another surprise Chris Benoit match. Yes, and. Uh, it's kind of like a little bit like the Brad Armstrong match uh, where it's just like quick, quick, slow it down, arm drag, arm drag, test of the strength kind of thing. Uh, Chris Benoit trying to do that like flip, you know, when you're like in a wrist lock kind of thing and he just like falls on his shoulder. I don't know if you saw that. Like he tries, yeah. to, do, tries to do a cartwheel. Kind of fucked up a little bit there. Yeah. I'll give him a pass. Um, yeah, they start with hammer locks and wrist locks and do some cool world of sport slash junior heavyweight near falls. World of sport is like usually what's generally referred to as the British style. Mm-hmm. Um, buff back, like buff Bagwell. That's what he's known as later. Bagwell is kind of surprising me here a little bit. 
Yeah. Because I could never remember. I can't remember a goddamn Buff Bagwell match save my life. Me either. But you know what? He's working pretty all right here. Um, he's barely keeping pace with Benoit. Oh no, Benoit! <laughs> Benoit is like outrunning him right now. Yeah, he's like fuck, just outdoing him in every turn. But he, he's he can't really keep pace with him, but he's trying to. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm not used to seeing Benoit doing crossbodies and all this other shit. Like I said earlier, he's doing a lot of that stuff. And he um, and he does like this. He's facing the crowd. And then he like flips into a crossbody. That was interesting yeah. to see. That's pretty cool too. Uh, Bagwell gets advantage for a little while, and he hits a nice clothesline and a crossbody. And then Benoit just catches him in a dragon suplex reverse for the pin. I think Benoit was carrying this, mm-hmm. but pretty good match. Best Bagwell match I've ever seen to date. <laughs> <laughs> Would you give it? Six point seven five out of ten. Uh, I I was impressed a little bit. I mean, it's not as good as Brad Armstrong, but I I gave this a seven point one out of ten. I, I it's we're not too far apart there. I just thought it was pretty good. Like I said, Bagwell can't really keep pace with him. He's not as good a wrestler, obviously, as Brad Armstrong is. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it was still good. Um, great. There's another one of these really great WCW up close segments where it's just Tony Schiavone interviewing somebody kind of in depth a little bit. Wait, what about the promo uh, that Chris Benoit pulled? Promo? Yeah, there was a promo. Oh, they probably fucking edited it in the in the the the. Uh... Oh, did you did you watch it on YouTube? Yeah. Oh, see, yeah, there was no promo. It's it went straight to this thing for me. I'm watching on the network. So it, it the the promo goes like, oh, you know, you were because he was in this the Stewart uh thing, right? Yeah, he, which they mentioned during the match. Yeah, and he goes, you know, I trained for a long time, great, but I, I'm I'm here to like make my name, and he's like, I'm I want stunning Steve Austin, I want Steamboat, I want. Uh, he wants all the greats, and he's going to destroy them. That's what he said, and that's pretty so, much it. So it was pretty good. Yeah, I liked it. It showed it, it, it showed Chris Benoit needs a little um, work on his promo, but it was believable like because you just saw him like kill two people with that, uh, that, that, uh, that suplex that he did. That Snapdragon Petunia suplex move. Yeah. <laughs> okay, well... Cool, good, good catch on that, by the way. Maybe you should keep watching the YouTube versions in case of shit like this happening. Yeah, fuck WWE. Come on, man. Just keep Benoit in the fucking thing. Yeah, you don't you don't have to fucking say his name if you want. Don't want to, but like they they literally cut it out of the the broadcast. There was it just went right into this this interview with Pillman and Austin, and I really liked it because it was just this really chill kind of interview where he's just asking them questions like, what are you guys going to do next? You know, uh, you're going you're gonna to get another match. He's like, yeah, we're going to get another match. And they're just talking about general plans about what they're going to do. And they're, he even asked Austin's like, I thought you were a single star. Now you're a tag guy. Like, what's the deal? And he's like, well, that don't mean nothing. I'm just going to focus on the, the tag stuff. And I'm going to be great at it too. You know, and it's like, you didn't do a bullshit answer. Yeah. It was good. It was a very good interview. I like these. I like I like Brian Pillman. Great talker. Yeah, for sure. 
Now, Paul Orndorff versus Cactus Jack. Mr. Wonderful. And they go at it, like, immediately. As soon as Cactus hits the ring, Paul Orndorff starts fucking hitting him. By the way, <laughs> stiff stiff punches, by the way. Yeah, I think they're kind of throwing a few potatoes there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, They battle until Orndorff gets Cactus on the apron, and then he knees him to the floor. And then Cactus hits the floor, and it's it sounds awful. <laughs> <laughs> it's splat. It's like what it sounded like. Um, they fight back and forth for a while, and Cactus takes another crazy spill to the floor after he misses Orndorff in the corner. He does one of those, you like he was going to stinger splash him, mm-hmm. and he overshot it. He's fucking flopped over because he's got that weird body type of his. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. Then Orndorff comes on the apron, and then he like jumps off and basically bulldogs him on the floor. <laughs> it's like fuck. Uh, Orndorff hot shots Cactus across the rope and he, he's on the apron again and he falls back to the floor again. Cactus is selling and he falls into the railing. I, this part made me laugh. <laughs> like he fell back into the railing like he was just selling and some woman gets mad and shoves him back into the ring. <laughs> <laughs> she's like, did she get pissed because she, maybe he spilled a drink or something. Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. I just thought it was funny. Um, Cactus comes back with a strong flying shoulder block. I was like, that's a pretty good little move he did there. He should do that more. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he comes back with some elbows and he does an elbow drop and he goes for a pin. But then Vader comes in and just starts punching the shit out of him. <laughs> He's beating the shit in disqualification. <laughs> no, I just love how Vader comes in and just like runs at him, wraps him around, and like throws him off of Orndorff and yeah. uh, I was like that's funny it's Vader just doing that is looks hilarious Vader and Orndorff beat Cactus down and the crowd chants we want Sting very loudly <laughs> well they got the barbarian is dead <laughs> <laughs> he get in there he he got in there and he still got a pretty good pop but he kind of saved Cactus there you decent, go decent decent little brawl you know kind of match I thought mm-hmm uh, I gave it a 6.5. I gave it... Because I'm trying to think. Because I didn't write this one down. I gave it a 6.3 out of 10. Okay. Okay. Here it is. For the U.S. Championship, Ricky Steamboat versus Dustin Rhodes. Um, it, I watched for several minutes without writing a note because it was just so good. Mm-hmm. I was just watching them. They're just like locking up and they're just working a lot of holds. And it's just long enough. Like they're not lingering on anything. Yeah. And and then they do the short bursts of action thing. And this felt, I wrote, this feels like two guys who are carefully and scientifically competing against one another. I wrote down uh, uh, Steamboat's trunks. Are those like is that a dragon? Like is that supposed to be dragon scales or is he yeah, trying to be Aqua to... Aquaman? <laughs> it's supposed to be dragon scales, but maybe he's Aquaman. I don't know. Maybe he likes Aquaman. He's <laughs> doing that shit all these other wrestlers do like oh, look comic books before anybody else did it. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking Aquaman. <laughs> um 
Hey, that natural nickname is no joke. It's the truth for Dustin. He's very smooth, and it seems like effortless, and he keeps pace with Steamboat like very easily. Mm-hmm. You know what I noticed about them, him, though, is, like, and I never noticed this until this match, is how fast he moves in the ring for a guy that size. Yeah, he takes, just... like, these really long steps. Like, in two steps, he's across the ring somehow. <laughs> he's a tall, like, what the fuck? He's a tall motherfucker. Yeah. He's Kevin not, Nash, take some notes, brother. He's not like his dad. His dad was just, like, fat. He's a fat guy. There's, yeah. there's nothing wrong with that. He he made it work. Mm-hmm. Um, man, why don't people do abdominal stretches anymore? Or holds? <laughs> I mean, Big like, E does it, but he slaps their asses, which is weird. He does goofy shit. Yeah. He does shit Goldust would have done to humiliate somebody. <laughs> <laughs> but, but he's like they're again they're working holds and Dustin puts on an abdominal stretch and Steamboat's selling it. He's like ah <laughs> ah like he's ah oh, so much agony. I love it. And the Steamboat gets out of stretch. And he goes for a back suplex, but he just can't. He <laughs> wilts from the back pain. He just goes ah oh, and he collapses almost. And then Dustin sees an opportunity. Hey, he saw an opportunity. He said something about opportunity. <laughs> And he goes for his own suplex for two. Dustin works the stretch again, breaks away, and he goes for a drop kick, but then Steamboat evades, and then Dustin crashes. Steam arm drag, Steamboat arm drags him into an arm bar and does his wrist lock. His, his wrist lock where he grabs me, he goes, like that shit. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. This looks good. Dustin works the back after he gets out of that shit, and the Steamboat works the arm. And then Dustin works the arm and after doing a high crossbody, just switching parts. They clean break in the corner, circle each other for a bit, and there's like pausing. And then Steamboat chops the shit out of Dustin and he almost collapsed. <laughs> it looked, he just goes, it's like they're just pausing. He just goes, wham! Just falls back into the rope and almost just falls over. Um. Let's see, they go in the corner, hip toss, they go up and down and run the ropes very fast, very fast. And then Steamboat collides with Dustin because he was going too fast. <laughs> and he headbutts him. They headbutt each other. And then Steamboat falls out of the ring. Or almost. And then Dustin hits a bulldog and Steamboat kicks out. And then Steamboat hits crossbody and Dustin kicks out. What? <laughs> they kicked out of each other's finishers. They do some more crisscross mess. Oh, wait, no, I skipped ahead. My bad. That, this is where the crisscross thing happens, and then he headbutts him. Um, then, let's see. Barry comes out of here, and he he DDT Steamboat when he's on the floor. Yeah, I wrote this. I was like, ah, my fucking head. What is <laughs> Like, he's just thud out. And, and by the way, love it that he, you know, DDTs him into the ground, and then, you know, he just never gets up. I... Out. Why doesn't today do that? Is it because it's padded more? Is that why they get up right away? Is, is that what we're going for? Well, remember, DDT used to finish people. It doesn't finish people anymore. <laughs> it's like a super kick. It's just this move that people do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, but Dustin wins by count out and he wins the title, but then he kind of finds out what happened and he's not happy about it. Where's the title, by the way? 
Uh, I guess Dustin's gonna have it next week. Okay. <laughs> yeah, they don't. They haven't showed it. Well, because Rude had it. I guess maybe it's in the mail. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really. It was an excellent match. It created intrigue for the U.S. title picture because of what happened. And then Steamboat has an out. He didn't, you know, just lose. He just he got fucked. I do like what Larry Zabisco said. He kind of planted a little seed there. I don't know if this is going to happen because I, I, I didn't watch this back then. But he says, you know, was he telling the truth? I guess we'll see, you know, in the future. Because ima- imagine if you want to turn him heel, that's a good plant, right? That's a pretty good plan, yeah. I don't know if Dustin ever turned heel in WCW, though. I don't know. 8.0 out of 10. I gave this a 8.1 out of 10. Ah, well, we're, we're right there. We're mm-hmm. right there. Um, I wrote, this was a great follow-up to the Clash show. Um, It's like they just came off that. It's like, let's just have a good show. <laughs> so they did, other than they had that tag match that was kind of bunky. <laughs> uh, people need to study Steamboat. Yes, and early Dustin too. And I'm like, hell, Dustin is still active. People just need to watch Dustin and talk to him. <laughs> I please, like he's right there. Like just he's in your company. Talk to him. Um, I think I think some do. Some I think some do. Yeah, but there, there's definitely some that you know don't. Uh, I gave this show a 7.0 out of 10 I gave this a 7.3 out of 10 you liked it a little better Mm -hmm. and that's that that's that's these two weeks of it's really a week of WCW programming so what do we got next I think we're back into the WWF section now right yeah we've caught up so now we're doing give and take again a little bit. So next up, we're doing Raw of January 18th. And then we're doing WCW Saturday night of January 23rd. So we're doing and, we're doing both of those in one episode? Yep. Okay. So we're directly comparing them now, pal. Sweet. And cool. then after that, we're going to be WWF heavy for, for the next show because it's going to be Royal Rumble. And then the following Raw. Okay. And the final show for the month is the last WCW Saturday Night episode. And that kind of works out because then we're going to do our first version of the the rankings and awards that I talked about off air. Yeah, we'll, we'll have more stuff in concrete uh, to, to talk about that. Probably next episode we'll have things to announce on that. Well, yeah. Yeah. Uh, other than that... Are we ready to head out? Yeah, pretty much. I guess that's it. Just be sure to watch WWF Raw from January 18th, 93, and WCW Saturday Night from January 23rd of the same year. Cool. So if you want to catch more getting some color, make sure you go to, and let me bring up the the thing, uh, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Red Circle, uh, and if you type in Nerd Review Network, you get you know shows like Getting Some Color, Big Trouble Little Podcast, The Nemesis Project, and I'm probably missing one more. Uh, but I think I, I I think I got everything. Oh, an Accelerated Gamer, which will be uh, recording episode one soon. So keep an eye out on that. Yeah. But, but I guess this is where we'll end it. And remember, 
Get some motherfucking color. No fear, no pain. Later, guys.